run on for a while after that. Um, can I ask you to either turn your phones off or at least put them onto silent? Thank you. For those unfamiliar with planning committees, council officers have prepared reports on each of the planning applications before us today and have recommended whether each particular application should either be approved or refused. It is, however, for the planning committee members seated along in front here to assess the application and to make the final decision. Today we have, and I am sorry I haven't checked, we have nine applications. So, for each application, I will ask the relevant officer to give a short presentation on the proposal, outlining the reasons for their recommendations. I will then invite those of you who have already registered to speak on the particular application to present your views for a maximum of either four minutes or five minutes. The applicant will then be given the opportunity to speak to their proposal and address any issues that have come up from other speakers or the officer's report. Once we've gone through this, I will then open up the discussion to the members of the planning committee to make their points on the matter, to ask relevant questions of the officers before asking them to make a decision on the application. There will then be a proposal to vote on whether the application should be approved, refused or deferred. I hope that's clear to everyone. Before we go to the first application, um, we need to take any apologies for absence. There's apologies from Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you very much, Councillor Gerard, and thank you for substituting for him at late notice. Thank you. Um, thank you. We'll move on to um, the minutes of... Oh, death, sorry, thank you very much. I just remembered, as you said it. We have any declarations of interest today? Councillor Bagnall? Just turn your, turn your. Thank you. Board member for Little Canfield. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, agenda item number five. Thank you. Councillor Sutton. Board member for Tate and Canfield. Thank you. Um, anybody else? Councillor Gerard. Yes, obviously board member for Newport, uh, Newport Parish Council, and a member of the Newport Quentin Rickling Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, particularly with regards to item number three. Thank you very much, Councillor Gerard. Councillor Lemon? Yes, in item number seven, I'm the district councillor at Hatfield Heath, and I shall be recruiting myself from the meeting. Thank you very much. Councillor Bagnall? Sorry, I should have said parish councillor for Takeley as well, so therefore uh, I'm not sure what the number is now. There's a Takeley uh, application, isn't there? Yes. I think it's the uh, agenda item number eight. Thank you. Um, um, I will myself... Anybody else? No. I myself will be... Um, Removing myself from the committee meeting um, in relation to item number uh, five. Five, five yes. Um, I have a personal prejudicial interest, I would believe, um, as being a family friend of the landowner and also, in fact, of um, people um, um, on the other side of the argument today. So I'm going to remove myself completely from the chamber for that particular application. Thank you. Um, so we'll go on to the minutes of the previous meeting, and I believe, um, Mr. Michelle, there is um, an, item to, uh, an amendment to those um, minutes. Yes, the applicant has requested that we amend uh, PC 92 and 93. It's just at the moment that we state that the uh, application was in Barnston when, in fact, it was High Easter. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. So are we all content with the, the minutes of the previous? Councillor Gerard. Um, I believe that PC82, apologies for absence, should have included Councillor Fairhurst. I did raise it when I sat, and it's been missed off that Councillor Fairhurst sent his apologies in the minutes. Right, thank you. So we'll have that recorded. Thank you very much. So anything else? No? So we're all content with the minutes now? Yes? Thank you. So moving on to item uh, th three, that is UTT 19-1064 DFO, the land at Holmwood, White Ditch Lane, Newport. Thank you. And it's Mr. Tyler. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. The application site is to the east of White Ditch Lane in Newport and includes an existing dwelling, paddock area and outbuildings. Directly to the north of the site are a number of dwellings that are currently under construction and to the west of the site is a recently completed housing development. The site is bounded by mature trees and closed board fencing. This application consider, considers the reserve matters following the outline uh, allowed planning appeal. Um, oh. Mr. Tyler, could you just go a moment oh, right. a technical <laughs> for the vice chair? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Thank you very much, Mr. Taylor. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I'll start again. The application site is to the east of White Ditch Lane in Newport and includes an existing dwelling, paddock area and outbuildings. Directly to the north of the site are a number of dwellings currently under construction and to the west of the site is a recently completed housing development. The site is bounded by mature trees and closed-board fencing. This application considers the reserve matters following the outline planning application for 12 dwellings. The reserve matters include layout, scale, appearance and landscaping. The principle of the development and details of access to the site has already been considered and allowed at appeal. This photo is the front of the site and includes the existing dwelling and frontage along White Ditch Lane. To the right of the dwelling is a public right-of-way leading, right leading to the rear of the site. To the left of the site is a currently under construction dwelling. These photos of, uh, of the rear of the site and includes a paddock area, outbuildings and in the distance the existing dwelling. Also to the right of the site you can see the dwellings along White Ditch Lane that are currently under construction. Uh, 
the parish council and one neighbouring property have objected to the development as set out in paragraph 8.1 of the committee report. Uh, a brief summary of this uh, includes uh, the development has insufficient drainage, uh, insufficient parking, no turning area for large vehicles, the footpath to the side of the site should not be obstructed, the byway needs upgrading, further ecology reports should be submitted, the site includes two access points, the site does not include sufficient visibility displays. Uh, paragraph 10.2 of the committee report outlines these objections as submitted and the case officer's comments in relation to these. This plan demonstrates the proposed layout of the development. The layout of the site is not cramped or restrictive, provides sufficient garden space, uh, private sitting out areas and parking provision. A turning area is provided within the site for larger vehicles. The layout of the development is also, uh, also provides uh, sufficient space between the proposed dwellings and neighbouring properties to ensure no loss of privacy or overlooking. As such, it's considered the layout of the scheme is acceptable. This slide demonstrates the scale and appearance of the proposed dwellings. The mix of development includes six two-storey dwellings, three bungalows and three terrace properties. No objections have been made by the council's enabling officer in regards to the housing mix. 40% affordable housing provision and a financial contribution of £43,819 for education has been secured by a legal agreement during the allowed outline planning permission. The scale and appearance of the dwellings uh, are considered appropriate and compatible with neighbouring and surrounding new developments along White Ditch Lane and will not have a dominating or an intrusive impact. Uh, electric vehicle parking points, uh, charging points, will be provided with each dwelling as set out in Condition 4 of the Committee Report. Uh, the submission of further details for external materials has been secured by condition. Uh, as such, it's considered the scale and appearance of the development is considered appropriate. This plan demonstrates the proposed landscaping within the site. This includes further planting, hard landscaping to provide private garden space, a small play area, wildlife pond and landscape boundaries. No objections or further recommendations have been raised by the council's landscape officer. As such, it's considered the proposed landscaping is appropriate in the context of the site and its surroundings. Other matters of drainage, flooding and ecology have been assessed. No objections have been made by statutory consultees. A condition for sustainable drainage and foul water drainage have been imposed on the allowed outline planning permission uh, and will need to be submitted prior to commencement of the development. In conclusion, the reserve matters are, have been assessed, uh, including details of layout, scale and appearance and landscaping. These are considered appropriate in the context of the site and its surrounding and is in accordance with both local and national planning policies. The application is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you very much, Mr Tyler. I'll open it to the committee. 
Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself today. I do apologise. We have one speaker on this, and it's from Newport Parish Council. Is it, is it Councillor Emmanuel? It is, thank you. Sorry. Hello, thank you for letting me speak. Um, my name is Judy Emanuel. I'm Vice Chair of Newport Parish Council. Um, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit today. I haven't had a chance to actually write a prepared speech, which is something I would typically do and time it and so on. Um, given that the officer's report was just released last week, we didn't have sight of it until the end of the week. We've also been dealing with two appeals in the last week. We've had quite a lot on our plates. So if you'll bear with me, I'll need to refer to my notes and, and, and wing it a little bit. Um, the uh, Parish Council's original um, objection to this application wasn't based on the basis of layout or any of those issues. It was um, preliminary on the, f- the basis that not all the information that we needed to see was there. So um, this application was granted on appeal in 2016, um, following an application that had been refused on the grounds of um, flood impact in 2015. Um, So we said that there was no surface water drainage scheme included, no foul drainage scheme included, um, so there was no transport information on road width, sweat path analysis or visibility displays. That information still isn't available. So I've been back and forth with um, Mr Tyler the last few days trying to ascertain whereby highways have been able to approve this. The SUD scheme, SUDS people have said that they're happy with it. We haven't actually seen the documentation that supports that evidence. So there are, as far as we are able to determine, three or possibly four conditions of the inspector's um, decision notice that have not been um, adhered to. Um, So the first one, and probably the most important, is that, yes, this is reserved matters except for access. However, um, condition four of the decision notice states that a detailed document is to be provided showing details of access as shown in principle in drawing 14076-4F. That's the um, site layout for the plan. Um, demonstrating a minimum 5.5 metre carriage weighed width. Presumably that would also have the turning circles, the visibility displays, all the things that you would expect to see in terms of the detailed access arrangements are not available. Um, Also, there is a condition relating to um, uh, reinstatement of the condition of the lane. Um, You may be aware that 14 separate applications have been approved on White Ditch Lane in recent years, and... um, Unfortunately, none of them have had that condition applied. Two, I think, did, possibly three, um, but were later removed because the application, the condition hadn't been applied consistently across all 14 applications. That hasn't been put in place. So with all of the um, development that's happened, the surface of the lane is now incredibly poor. Um, and despite numerous meetings between UDC, um, the Parish Council and Essex County Council, we haven't been able to draw a conclusion in how that re- reinstatement is to be achieved, or indeed who will pay for it. Um, so the second point, now it, bear with me, I don't know if this is something that has to be provided prior to full, up, full um, permission being granted or whether it's something that happens prior to um, the development being commenced, but it's a construction method statement. That's a condition condition five in the decision notice uh, requiring um, that to be delivered. Now, there's a couple of issues we'd like to see um, in there, given the condition of uh, the roads surrounding the site being incredibly narrow, very constrained, um, and it's a single track byway. It's a 
by way of control traffic is not a proper road. Um, so we'd like to see that parking for contractors is achieved within the site, not on the surrounding roads, because there is no parking on surrounding roads, and also that deliveries are outside of peak hours, because that's been a, a key issue for residents of the lane during recent works. Um, third point is on SUDS. Um, condition 12 of the inspector's decision notice says that... Um, uh, in, and in fact, the, the SUDS team at, sorry, I should say this first, the SUDS team at Highways issued a holding objection um, last May saying that there was insufficient information available for them to make a judgment on this case. Uh, and Mr. Tyler's advised that um, discussions between the planning agent, UDC, and the SUDS team, they determined that sufficient information was um, included in planning application UTT 152512-OP, which was a withdrawn application for the same number of properties on the site from 2015. Um, so that begs the question really why the inspector conditioned in point 12 of her decision notice the need for a detailed SUD scheme for the site. Um, having looked back at that planning application, the withdrawn one, it appears that there is um, a discussion and an assessment of SUDs, but there's no actual scheme included showing exactly how it's to be achieved, exactly how those details would be put in place. And if we don't know what the details are and don't see how we can enforce there um, you know, being done. Um, the other thing that there is no indication of at all is a, a foul drainage strategy, which is a condition 13. There is no documentation in either the outline or the details following application. Um, so Anglian Water have said they have no comment, but this site is not on mains drainage, so we wouldn't particularly expect them to. Um, what there isn't, though, is any indication of how um, foul water foul drainage is to be achieved so if it is um, via a septic tank which is quite likely um, there are new regulations I believe that came into effect January 1st and we would like to be able to see those details such that we're able to to confirm that they, they are in compliance uh, on that point um, final point is that um, the uh, location plan for the site which is was the one that Mr Tyler showed at the beginning this, uh, that one. Um, that's dated February 2015. Um, as I mentioned, quite a significant volume of um, development has occurred on the lane uh, since that time, including two properties immediately opposite the entrance to this site um, and pastures close, which is just below, you can't quite say it, but Berry Grove, the little wiggly, zigzaggy type property opposite the entrance. There's another, there's another site has been developed there with a think it's nine or 12 houses there I think it's a material consideration the development that's happened around it the proximity of those properties to this site um, we're not looking to ask for this application to be refused but we would ask that it's deferred pending that that information being made available um, in full detail and so that we're able to make a proper assessment of the site thank you very much thank you very much Councillor Emmanuel I will now, I can open this up to the planning committee now for comments. Um, gentlemen, councillors Gerard and Pavitt, Freeman. Councillor Freeman. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Chairman. Um, there's one point that sticks, comes instantly to mind under the conditions on this. Uh, it's good that the wording, I, uh, condition number four, minimum of a single electric vehicle charging point shall be installed at each of the houses provided fully wire-connected ready for use before the first occupation. That's very good. It's, it's nicely worded. 
The next um, application, which I'll bring to, bring to your attention when, it, when we get there, is less well-worded, so we'll need to deal with the second one. But something which is absent from this, and it's in our emerging measures that are being brought forward before this committee within the next few weeks, uh, is the installation of uh, fibre broadband to new properties. There's no reason why that shouldn't be installed. There's 12 dwellings. Uh, it's absurd when you're actually working off a field, basically, not to put in the services that you need. We recognise that with respect to the electric vehicle charging points. Uh, a fibre broadband, high-speed broadband access of is basically the same as connecting it to the water main nowadays. You know, there's no point, there's no reason for not having it. So may I suggest, Madam Chairman, that be added as a condition. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, obviously this is in my ward, uh, not far from where I live, and I frequent frequently, um, frequent frequently, yes, um, with my dog. Um, White Ditch Lane, we know this has been a problem with White Ditch Lane. We know there has been a cumulative impact here. Uh, however, we're dealing with an approved site in principle. Following on from Councillor Manuel's um, um, uh, um, speech earlier, the issues here are very much to do with detail. And um, my concern is still the, the SUD scheme it's, it's the drainage issue and it's the foul issue. And perhaps, um, uh, Chris, perhaps maybe you can clarify for us if there is the um, information available that we've missed, uh, if it's available and we should have seen it and haven't seen it, or if it's not available at all uh, at the moment. Thank you. The um, plan inspector actually on the previous um, appeal has been quite strict and uh, on a lot of the um, conditions, they have stated that no development should start before that information is submitted. Um, no information at this point has been submitted. So we haven't uh, assessed it in this application, but it would have to come forward to the planning department prior to any work starting on the site um, to see if it is uh, acceptable. And in that, we would consult SUDS, uh, at Essex County Council and if, if it wasn't a uh, suitable uh, sustainable drainage scheme it, they would have to come forward with further information but at this point we haven't got any information on SUDS or uh, um, any other drainage well, Yes then I'll come to you Councillor Bagnall afterwards okay. Councillor Bagnall uh, No I, I, just to follow on from that, I was just wondering if there was a reason why we hadn't seen anything on the SUDs. Because they don't need to put one in yet. Answering the parish's comment, I mean, uh, Councillor Emmanuel asked the straight question. Um, those conditions, do they need to be addressed at the point of putting in your full details or at prior to development? It's prior to development. So there is, there is a list of conditions and, um, you know, there's the forms of access onto White Ditch Lane, um, the Human Structure Management Plan, the SUDs, and the Foul Sewage. That's certainly four of them. All of those matters need to be submitted before they do development. And so that's how it's left. Now, some of those conditions, I would actually say all of those conditions, probably with the exception of the SUDs conditions, is quite extraordinary for, a inspect for those to be put on as conditions. It really is belt and braces. And 
bearing in mind the knowledge of White Ditch Lane and bearing in mind the reason why this application was in front of the inspector in the first place was because we had a substandard flood risk assessment assessed at the time. Ironically, by the time it got there, I think they had submitted it. So those issues are just left there as further reserve matters, if you like, moving on as far as the discharge condition. The SUDS team have had to comment, and they have three bites. They have a bite at the outline stage, um, they have a bite at the reserve matter stage, and they have a bite at the, at the condition discharge stage. All they've done at this stage is confirmed that everything is moving. what's happening in terms of the layout of this particular scheme doesn't prejudice coming up with a formal SUD scheme further on. So actually what we're actually asking you members to do is approve plan of mission with those conditions still held there from outline and those will be the details that need to be sorted out moving forward. Now, I'm saying that and I'm looking at Councillor... Councillor Gerard, and I'm looking at Councillor Emmanuel and going, we've, we've been here before. But I think the first issue is we've got a layout moving forward, and I'm asking you to, to, to trust us working with the SUDS team to actually get those particular schemes sorted out. But as we've been in many a meeting about these particular issues moving forward, and drainage has been part of that. So what we need to make sure is if planning permission is approved today, subject to those conditions, that engagement needs to happen before we discharge any conditions so you know what the details are. That includes foul sewage as well. Foul sewage, it's not mains at that point, so it's likely to be some sort of local, you know, specific treatment plant on site. That needs to be sorted out how the two is. Now, normally, I would say, trust us, it'll be sorted out properly. And I could say it now, trust us, and it'll be sorted out properly. But I think... Whiteditch Lane is unique, and I think the non-Newport members are probably getting sick and tired of our saying Whiteditch Lane is unique, but it is. Um, in terms of moving forward, if members improve it today, you have to have my assurances that we have to engage with the parish moving forward to make sure you know what those details are going to be moving forward. That's all I can say. But technically speaking, as far as the planning conditions, because the conditions are still there, and we haven't had the details yet, because that's the third stage pre development Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Mr. Brown, thank you very much for, for clarifying those matters. The, the problem I have, members, is that, you know, White Ditch Lane is, is a, you know, there's been a cumulative amount of small errors across a period of time that has happened to put us in a position where we are now. Not all the errors that are our fault, a lot of them have been other bodies, but it is sensitive. It's a very, very sensitive road, and it, there's accumulation of sensitive developments, and we are where we are. If it wasn't for the fact that it was so sensitive, I wouldn't be so concerned about this. But whilst I hear what Mr. Brown says, I think because of the sensitivity, um, I would be more comfortable, or rather I'd be, I'm not comfortable in approving something where there are so many outstanding, crucial issues like waste, foul sewers information like suds like the issues of the details of how the um, um, the, the road possible reinstatement could be but particularly with regard to drainage it's such a fundamental issue that I feel uncomfortable approving uh, it today I would feel more comfortable and I hate to do this but to call for a deferment until we get those, inf those details uh, scrutinize them be happy with them, working together with parish council and the officers, and then we could probably say, you know what, we've done our due diligence, it's sensitive, we've done the right job, we're not adding to a cumulative impact, we're doing our job, and take it forwards from there, for an, come back to another committee meeting, and it's probably going to be smooth sailing. As we sit at the moment, 
I feel uncomfortable with the lack of information. But I hear what you say about trust, but this is not about trust. This is about doing the right thing in the right order, and I just don't feel that we have the information before us. I don't feel I have information before me to make a decision of approval today. So I would actually propose that we defer until we have the correct information for foul and drainage and then bring it back. I was going to ask you a question. Would it make a difference in time scale with, if we deferred um, and waiting for the, the results of those, the SUDs, say, for example, and the others, to bringing this forward? The answer, the answer to that question is no. I mean, I know we're slightly going off in terms of discussing, but I do need to discuss the implications of it. There's very few implications of deferring this, because if, if members approve this today, subject to those conditions, um, they, they will then need to put in those details of those conditions pretty damn quickly, because at the moment we're, we're on a quite late stage in the lifetime of the planning permission. And so I think this would give it a little bit more life in terms of granting planning permission. But at the moment, they need to get those conditions. To sh so at the end of the day, approval today still means they need to get those details in before they can do anything on site. So might as well, you know, you're putting a little bit of cut before the horse. I fully understand what you're saying about trust in terms of, and, you know, and the, the process has not gone well in White Ditch Lane. So I think if members were deferring it, what we're doing is, OK, just get those conditions discharged first of all, and we can, we can do that. I don't think, and I'm trying to make this not looking like it's going to be something that we're going to keep having to do every time we get an application in, where you've got drainage conditions hanging around. White Dish Lane is particularly specific in terms of that issue, both on highways and in terms of it. So if members were deferring it, all we are doing is getting those details of the conditions early on to get those in. So, so that's what we're doing. So, Councillor Bag. Just a quick question on that. Do we know if they've undertaken any activity on the drainage? Because my, my sense here is that um, if we defer it uh, and they're not even looking to do that, we're almost... Uh, I'm not sure we're going to ever get to a point where we get that SUDS information. Because if someone was looking for getting the approval through uh, and selling on the site to a developer then they're not going to undertake the work for SUDS. So deferring it is just going to... We're going to keep deferring and deferring and deferring. Fair question. This is a development. There is a developer involved in this one. Um, the fact that it's taken such a long time to come round, um, a developer's picked up. It's a current developer on White Ditch Lane. So the answer to your question is probably they have done necessary investigation works that they need to be doing. So it's not going to be fresh. It's not someone who's come in from the wild and doesn't know the site. Um, so they will know the site. So it should be real. And also this council, this committee is committed to delivery of development. So at the end of the day, we want, you know, we want 12, 12 houses have been granted planning permission on this site. We want those 12 houses to be delivered in an appropriate way. So the answer to your question is, that could have been the case sometimes, but in this particular case, we've got a proper developer on board. And so therefore it shouldn't be causing too much stress moving forward. Uh, Councillor Reeve. You need a second to know. Uh, no, yeah, sorry. No. sorry. Yeah, I just, yes, I realise that. Um, we have a uh, proposal from Councillor Gerard to defer. Can I have a second on oh, that? Can we have a more yes, questions? You can, you can make a comment. No, yes, you, yes. It's my fault. Yes, um, <laughs> you can make it, you can make a, uh, um, I'll have to take this first. Oh, sorry, Councillor Reeve. Do I have a second on that? 
Councillor Pavitt seconded. Um, therefore, the proposal is that we defer, um, proposed by Councillor um, Gerard, seconded by Councillor Pavitt. All those in favour of deferring? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six in favour of deferral. Against? All those in favour? Um, all those against? One, two, six. three, four, five, six. Madam Chair. Oh, it's my favourite thing. Um, well, I have to go with as I um, as I voted against. So it's against. So we carry on. So we carry on. Yeah. What, what was the decision? Your decision, please. Sorry, it's now come back on. It was against. Sorry, it was flashing. For the benefit of the record, that gives us uh, set six in favour of a deferral, seven against. We have to carry on. So, Councillor Reeve, you can ask your question now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, mine were more details. Uh, we've there was a question about turning of vehicles. This is looking at the plot plan, which we can't see now, so it may be good to look at that. Um, so there was a question from the parish council about the turning of the vehicles, but the answer was that, yes, there's no problem and there's a turning circle. I can't see one. How does that work? Uh, we've been in discussions with the um, Highways Authority and they've looked at this for us. Uh, the turning area is in the... Um, uh, right-hand side at the bottom of the site, and it's slightly shaded in green. I'm not sure if it is. And that provides a sufficient uh, turning area for refuge carts and, and things like that. I don't know if, you, if it's that clear. On if, if somebody's been reassured that that's adequate, then I'll take their professional advice. The other one was a, a question I've asked before, and I know it's not one of our policies, but uh, do we know whether there are PV panels uh, to be put on these houses? Uh, nothing has been put forward for that um, proposal, no. Okay. And it's beyond our remit to um, suggest they might be put there? I would suggest it's not an approval or refusal matter. Um, I think in terms of picking up what Councillor Freeman was saying earlier, that is something that is coming up now in terms of discussing it as, as in emerging policies going forward. Um, but at the moment, it's not an approval or a refusal. It's something that we can suggest, uh, but you have to determine what's yeah. in front of you. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Councillor Bagnall. Uh, just to, uh, wanted to double-check the vote because my understanding it was 6-6, six, six, not 6-7, six, so I don't know if we have to recall it. The chair's cut. Yeah, six, but that's seven. a casting vote, yeah, not a 7. Oh, okay. As a number, it's a vote, Councillor Bagnall. So we either have to have a proposal for a vote or other discussions. 
Councillor Freeman. Sorry, Madam Chairman, there's just one point I want to raise which leads on from the previous speaker. We, are going, we, we have declared as a council uh, that we are in favour of taking every environmental measure that's reasonable. The orientation of those properties, I would su submit that half of them would benefit from photovoltaic solar panels, uh, about half. So that is a reasonable condition in my view in the base of the emerging conditions and, and advice which is coming before you and before us. So that would be a further condition which I would like to see added. I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But if you said half of the properties were equipped with photovoltaic panels as a condition, I think that would be perfectly reasonable. Please. Can I suggest we... I'm not going to use the word... I don't want to use the word loosen. Rather than specifically say, you know, solar array being the solution to everything, um, you know, I would not... We're in, we're, in difficult, we're in different times now. We've done this before in terms of submitted a, a suggested condition which says that we needed details of renewable solutions upon the site prior to development. Now, that could be all sorts of things. It could be, you know, the fabric of the development. It could be all sorts of things, not just solar array. So, uh, details of renewable solutions on the site prior to development on the site. That could cover all sorts of things. That means they need to look at it. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, if members are minded to approve this, is there a way in which we can prioritise the importance of the conditions that I was referring to earlier, particularly regards to suds, foul drainage, etc.? Is, is there a way of just of at least recording the, the, the sensitivity of the situation that they are particularly important, that they're adhered to as quickly as possible? I would always stress we always take conditions seriously. But yes, I can give you those assurances in terms of moving forward. If we come out of this development, if this, if this proposal is approved today, we will make those assurances even to the point where I know that the Deputy Chairman of the Parish Council will be emailing me tomorrow saying what you're going to be doing about this and I will be emailing out and that will be the assurance moving forward because we will be, it's a difficult one, we need to be telling you what details are coming forward. We're not actually consulting you but we need to notify you but we've got a very close relationship working forward on this particular case, so yes. Can I take a proposal from somebody? Does anybody wish to give a proposal? Councillor Caton. Yes, can, can I propose uh, approval, Madam Chairman? Thank you very much. Can I take a second on that? Councillor Freeman. So we've had a proposal to approve by Councillor um, Caton to and seconded by Councillor Freeman. Can I ask, sorry. Can sorry. I ask Councillor Caton the question, is that subject to the additional conditions that Councillor Freeman suggests? Yes. I saw you nodding when he was saying it. So I was just... <laughs> no, no. That is subject to Councillor Freeman's additional uh, conditions. Right. Start again. So we have a proposal um, by, from Councillor Caton, seconded by Councillor um, Freeman, with the conditions suggested by Councillor Freeman. All those in favour of approving this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All those against? And those abstaining? One against. One abstention. Thank you. Thank that's, you. That's approved. Thank you.
Moving on to item four, UTT 19-2557, full application, the new farmhouse, Keirs Green, Athorpe Roading. Um, thank you very much, Mr Doe. Thank you, Chair. This application was the subject of a councillor's site visit this morning. Uh, the, uh, the site is in a locality known as Keirs Green with um, Dunmow Road over to the west. Um, the site itself is um, being indicated by the cursor here. A photograph of the site from the west, the existing vehicular access, which you can see in the bottom left-hand corner, would be used for the site. This is looking into the site. Uh, the, the host property um, is to the right-hand side. The, uh, the site is garden land, uh, previously developed land. View of the site from the east. Uh, a, a relatively new property has been built to the west and that property has a double garage that you can see just to the right of the centre of the screen. Looking down the left-hand side uh, boundary, the boundary to the west, you can just see the, um, uh, the gable of the, uh, the garage of the neighbouring property. Here are the plans of the proposal itself and this shows how the property would relate to um, a sort of loose front building line in, in this part of the world. Uh, the, the house is indicated as such and there would be a single storey bay that would accommodate a garage and you can get an impression of how that relates to the uh, detached double garage and uh, the existing house. Just showing the, uh, the proposed property in a little more detail. Here is the front elevation. The, uh, the cursor is just showing the single-storey bay, the, uh, the garage projecting from the property. Um, you'll, you'll see it's... Um, got elements of a fairly contemporary design which has been commented on but um, officers consider design of an acceptable standard certainly showing the proposed property in relation to the existing house to the east in terms of height just marginally less high than the ridge height of the existing um, somewhat smaller or, or at least a comparable scale. Side elevation um, from the west showing the garage. The other elevation. <coughs> this is the rear elevation, but of course that would be out of public vantage point. The site is um, not really in a sustainable location. It's outside any development limit. But the fundamental point I'd like to make with this application is outline planning permission has been given relatively recently. This is 
This is a street scene for what was submitted for the outline application. I'm choosing my words carefully because what you see on the screen before you is an indicative plan, but you will see what is indicated is a one and a half story <coughs> dwelling. You can see um, a front gable is indicated, certainly dormers and a first floor window. So officers feel that the, um, the house proposed is comparable to what was indicated. Again, this is from the outline application. The outline application indicated uh, a garage or at least a, uh, a front bay projecting from the front elevation. Coming back to the submitted plans for the full application, you'll see similarities. So, in conclusion, Chair, this is outside any development limit, but outline planning permission has been granted recently, and the drawings indicated something very similar to what has now come in as a full application, and accordingly, approval is recommended. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Mr. Doe. We have one speaker, um, Mr. Stephen Ryan. Thank you very much, Mr. Ryan. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Good afternoon, Committee. Firstly, I would like to express my thanks to you for taking the time to include a site visit in the decision-making process for this controversial application and for allowing me to address the Committee to explain the opposition. I live in Clarendon House, directly uh, next door to this property. As you, will see, as you will have seen on your site visit, Keirs Green is a small hamlet of around 30 houses and farms. Many are old, many are thatched, around a third are listed. More recently built properties are of considerate traditional design, respecting the character and style of the hamlet. The community has been fully supporting of new development, where it is respectful and has brought benefits to the hamlet. The residents, PC and Councillor Barker worked hard to deliver improvements for Keirs Green and have been very successful with a 50% increase in housing supply in the last five or six years. You will have noticed new development Old Mill Close at the far end of the lane joining Dunmo Road which replaced a derelict yard and the development of three houses that I live on which replaced another derelict site. These brought benefits and explain... This is an important point. They explain why approval was granted in a location that is not sustainable. As a result of all the good work that has been done, I and fellow residents are passionate about protecting this progress for our families and for future generations. We accept absolutely that there will be a dwelling on this site. This, my points are not about there being development there. They are about whether it fits with Keirs Green. We believe strongly that it should be respectful of the hamlet, its architecture and the neighbouring properties. This proposal is not and will look out of place and bring harm to the street scene. The proposal, um, the application boasts of it being imaginative and modern. These are hardly words that anyone would use to describe Keirs Green. I'm sure you saw, for example, the 17th century listed barn that is under painstaking renovation about 200 feet from this site when you visited. The proposal is too large for the plot, it's contemporary, it's out of character and it's confused. 
Put simply, this would be one of those buildings that stands out as a glaring mistake, damaging the street scene and causing upset to residents for years to come. To quote the design and access statement dated October 2019, the appearance of the new dwelling as shown in the street scene accompanying the outline application shows a rather twee chalet bungalow with a nod to the vernacular timber framing tradition. This application now is for a more modern design. That's a quote. So... Even the application itself calls this out as a modern design and not in line with the outline approval. At the last committee meeting, the case officer spoke about local confusion that the outline application having been for a type of bungalow. I would respectfully suggest that if the current application refers to the outline submission having been for a rather twee chalet bungalow, that supports why the local residents also believe that what was approved at outline stage would be some form of bungalow-style property, perhaps with rooms in the roof. The initial outline application in 2017 was met with very significant local opposition and many objections. The size was significantly scaled back as a planning officer informed the applicant that it would be refused if it were not. Outline consent was then granted for a much smaller property, namely the Twee Chalet bungalow. The outline application only failed to be considered at full committee because the deadline had passed when, the, um, when our councillor uh, submitted the request um, for it to be reviewed at, at committee. The generally held belief in the local, in the local area is that had it gone to committee at outline stage it would have been refused but we are beyond that now we accept that and so we're focusing purely on limiting the harm that this application does to Keir's Green. In the full application of October the proposal had grown substantially in scale from the outline of approval. It is now for a very large four bed property which according to the officer's report 300 square metres floor area, 12 metres wide and over 13 metres in depth at its deepest point. It will dominate its narrow plot replacing the lawn with a very large house and driveway that goes right up to my boundary. I noticed actually in the application that you showed previously the, the driveway did not go up to my boundary but it does in the latest application um, the outline uh, in, I beg your pardon sorry I've gone off track a bit there um, the outline application form dated 18th of August 2017 clearly stated it would be a three bedroom property it is fair to say that more bedrooms equal more residents more noise more traffic all in a non-sustainable location with no special reason as to why the building needs to be there in addition to the scale concerns, there is a wide garage projecting from the front of the property by five metres, which looks rather odd, and it uses materials that are not compatible with a traditional setting. The case officer mentions aluminium window frames, zinc finishes, slate roofs, etc., and describes it as compatible with surrounding buildings. That is quite honestly not the case. Um, I don't have time to speak to all the other issues that we could bring to the, to the fore here, including the access, which represents a serious road safety is, risk, as I'm sure you saw on your I do have to ask you to come to a conclusion. Yeah, Thank certainly. You. So all I'd say is in the community, it's elected parish council and district council all desire a style that fits with the surrounding rural and historic buildings. No, there is no support with this, and we request that the committee support, our, support us in protecting Keirs Green and refuse this application in its current format. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Ryan. Thank you. No. Sorry, I overran a little bit. No, it's okay, it's fine. Um, I'll open it up to the committee. Councillor Bagnall. Uh, we saw from the site visit this morning that um, a lot of the properties are sort of garage to house, uh, garage to garage, and then a house, garage to garage. Uh, and I noticed in the outline permission that was granted, there is a garage at the side. So we talked about that this morning and we didn't think that was the case, but it clearly was the case. So 
The outline permission was given on the basis it looks like a garage next to a garage and then a house, which does appear to be a lot smaller than the one that we saw up there. Um, so I think in terms of the aesthetic, in terms of a garage to garage, then I think it's disappointing that you get approval on an outline basis with the design that was clear in the outline application and then you come back with a different scheme. So I, I think that's... I'm not sure how we address that, but I think to keep it in keeping with the properties that are there, then the garage next to the garage would be a more suitable solution, I would argue, uh, and the reduction in size, not the increase in size that we seem to be looking at now. We accept that the outline has been, been granted, and I think the street scene, because it's on a slight bend, is not massively impacted, but I think... It's just that sense of garage, house, garage, house. Uh, and I, for me, I think if you're going to go for outline and you're going to give some detail on that, I think you should stick to it. Yeah. Councillor Gerard. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with Councillor Bagnall. Um, when we looked at the site earlier, I mean, it's quite clear what's, you know, what's happened here is you've got the, the new farmhouse had a big garden and they've sliced off a part of the garden and they're putting on a house and development in principle has been established and we accept that and that's fine um, obviously the reason why you can't have the garage on the side is because you've got a very narrow site uh, you look at, this, at, the, at, the, at the shape of the site it is narrow compared to all the others so from the street you are looking at a narrow site um, so it is limited as to what it can build and what it's trying to do is to build or it's trying to show a full-size house on a narrow site, which I think is the reason why they've been forced to put the garage at the front. So already there's a compromise there from what was originally shown. Mr. Doe, if you can show us the outline planning. Um, yes. So obviously there, if you look at that, look at the, at the scale of the, built, of the building, the house, versus the site, you can see that it's certainly less bulky in comparison to the width of the site than the proposed full application. So I would suggest that if, they had, if we had that size house before us, we'd probably find it more palatable. I do think, Mr. Doe, if you can go back to the, uh, the plan that you showed us previously in terms of what we're looking at. Yes, it seems to me that that is a bulkier house than previously shown. So my concern is simply that there is a... There is a large house on a narrow site. My concern is that garage at the front does seem to protrude forwards. And I do get the point about the driveway being onto the boundary there. But I'm more concerned about the, 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 the proportion of the house versus the width of the site. Councillor Freeman, then Sutton. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, in the officer's report, it says it's a brownfield site. I have difficulty with that. It's somebody's garden. It previously developed land in okay. somebody's garden. Fair enough. So it's, it's a brown garden. That's fine. Can, can we have the uh, front elevations of the proposed property, please? Yeah, excellent. Thanks. Um, I, I don't have any difficulty at all with um, a modern design. Uh, it shakes things up a bit. And in days gone by, people didn't say, is this a 14th century house that we're building, or is it a 15th century, or is it a Georgian, or whatever. They just built it, basically. So I don't think that would damage things. But I do. what does offend me is the garage stuck out to the front uh, on the left-hand side of that uh, 
elevation. Um, it doesn't look too bad in this, uh, but it's quite clearly going to be converted into a room. Otherwise, why would you attach it to the house? If we can go back to the plan, proposed plan, yeah, uh, there's a garage on the right-hand side, lower right, of, a single garage, lower right of the plot. I mean, if you want two garages, you could make that a double garage. So it's, uh, it's not for us to tell people how to design houses, but I think it is. Um, uh, it's not in keeping with the outline planning consent that was given. Uh, I know it's traditional for uh, builders and developers to come back with something which is not even slightly in keeping with the original outline planning consent, but sometimes it's good to draw a line. So, I would, uh, is it possible to condition that that garage, which is part of the frontage, it also offends the building line, if you, uh, if you can give us a, a plan that shows that a bit more clearly? Yeah, that's as good as it gets. I mean, it doesn't really, but... Um, depending on whether you put your reference as New Farmhouse or Clarendon House or Forge Cottage. Uh, but I think it's, it would benefit from... The garage attached to the front of the house would benefit from being moved. Can that be conditioned? That's the question. If it's conditioned, I have no problems with this application. If it's going to remain, I would be inclined to refuse it. Thank you. Um, do you want to take that before no, sorry, I go to Councillor Sutton? Sorry, I wasn't... Shall I repeat the issue? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Was the issue to retain, to condition the garage to be retained as a garage? No, no, I don't think that's a condition that we can sustain. Um, it would definitely get turned into a billiard room or something, and it's only a matter of time. Uh, no, I would say either remove it completely, but if you want to have two garages then it would be a simple matter to make the garage, the detached garage on the lower right, a double garage and cheaper as well. So, so yeah. you've fallen, sorry, you've fallen for the same trick I fell for. I thought that bit at the front was a garage. It isn't a garage. That bit at the very frontage, at the very front, if, if, if you point to where I thought was a garage, that, no, no, <laughs> I thought that was a garage, to be honest. So where are you talking that bit there? Sorry, I'm... No, this bit the gable end at the yeah. front on the right hand side yeah. no the other one the other that gable one. end no the other end the other end the other end right hand on the right what there no no no, 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 no on no. that on that sorry <laughs> this, this bit here it is a pantomime season madam yeah, james <laughs> oh it no is. it isn't so sorry the, unfortunately you do have to look at what's in front of you so you can't say if they did this it'll be fine but can you condition it? Because I, I, uh, can we go back to the elevation, please? That's a garage, isn't it? No, that, on the left, the left, the left, the left, go left, go left. That thing, isn't that a garage? Exactly. That's what offends me on this design. I wanted to get rid of it. You, you can make a double garage separate if you want, fine. But that's only going to get converted into a room very, very quickly, and suddenly it becomes a bigger house. Um, sorry, I was Councillor Sutton, then Pabot, and then you, okay? I was just going to say that, really, it, you know, it, it isn't in keeping with the original planning consent, and I think it does look very modern and very, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't match the rest of the houses in that, in that whole line, so I think it's totally out of keeping, and I don't, although some people think that's quite nice to be quirky, I just think that in terms of th that particular view, I don't think that's the right, it's the right type of, uh, the right type of plan at all. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, 
Personally, no problem with modern designs. They should be contemporary. We, we, you know, to start trying to replicate history is not a good thing in architecture, in my opinion. However, what I don't understand, I can't establish from the paperwork, is how many bedrooms did the original application have? And, and what was the square footage? What was the footprint? I mean, as it actually got bigger... I'm afraid I don't know the number of uh, bedrooms indicated on the outline. In any case, because it was an outline, that uh, wouldn't be information that the council could hold the applicant to. In terms of the footprint, the, uh, the floor space, that, I hope, is indicated by the slide upon the screen now um, I mean by eye there are somewhat larger isolation spaces between the flanks and the um, and the side boundaries the problem is we're not comparing like with like anything in the outline that showed any detail whatsoever was indicative whereas now the application has come straight in as a full application. But uh, the point I would like to make is the principle of a dwelling on this plot has been established by the outline, but that's, that's really all that can be said with certainty. Can I just intervene here? Because I'm asking... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm bemused because this is an application, this is a full application. Okay, you, we're not going to whip the, the principal from under their feet like a rug. But the fact is, if this was in line with the outline, and the outline was so pertinent, why hasn't this been submitted in the reserve matters? Now, I've just asked Karen the question. I'm going to ask you the question. Hopefully, the answer's the same. Why hasn't this been submitted as a DFO? It, I think it's because... Sorry, I'm going to answer the question. I think it's because... The layout was, 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 was not reserved as part of the planning permission, the original outline. Is that right, Karen? As far as my understanding, yeah. the layout was approved previously. Yeah. Sorry, what did... Ms. Dillon, can you say that again, please, so they can hear? Thank you. 99% of um, outline applications that we consider... Um, there are five reserve matters. There's access, appearance, landscape, layout, and scale. On 99% of the outline applications that we consider, we only consider access, or we don't consider anything at all. In this particular case, on the outline application, we considered layout and access. So therefore, layout has previously been approved. If they want a different layout, they need to apply for a new planning application. The issue, because I was sitting here going, hang on, what, why are we sitting here with a reserve matters? Surely there's not a reserve matters. It's because the layout's different. That's it. It's different. That's the only thing you need to worry about. That doesn't necessarily mean it's different in a bad way or different in a good way. It's just different. That's why we've got a full application. So members need to sort of, the principle's gone. You know, issues around access and members haven't been talking about that. So it's simple, really. Members need to, to have got this layout sitting at this particular proposal in front of them and whether it's acceptable in the street scene from what you saw this morning. It's as simple as that, really. And, uh, and so, so that's all you need to do. And uh, don't get 
can you put the proper layout out? Because <laughs> everyone's getting obsessed with this outline, and that, the outline's there just in case people were raising issues over highways and stuff. I know highways was mentioned earlier, but the objections that we've been hearing from the neighbour have not been on point. So principle, it's been point of design, and that's exactly what we're... And obviously you're considering layout today, because it's... it's, it's so that's all members need to consider, is how it sits in the street scene. Councillor Gerard. Yeah, thanks for clarifying, Mr Brown. So basically, I go back to what I said. I believe this house is too big for this site. I believe the garage is incorrect. And therefore, on design, on Gen 2, um, I, I don't think it's appropriate. And I propose we refuse this. I wish it were different, because I want to encourage building, but I can't see how this is in scale. The scale is too large for the site. I know you've just proposed this, but there was a, two or three other hands up before you got to that. So I'm going to allow Councillor Lachlan and then Councillor Stora as well. No, that's OK, because I actually i am happy to uh, second that. I agree with Councillor Gerard. I don't believe we should be building mock Tudor or mock uh, Georgian all along the streets. But sometimes our hamlets are characteristic of where we live. If you look at the book that's uh, called, I think it's 100, 100, what's it called, 100 something or other places or whatever, uh, and you will see how unique some of our hamlets and our villages are. And uh, as I said, I'm not against contemporary design in the right place. Uh, I think they're brilliant and I would probably build one myself if I lived in that place. But I think we also have to respect the character of our district and I actually don't think that does. So that's why I'm happy to uh, second your proposal. I'm still going to let Councillor Storer speak and Councillor Reeve this time because of because there was hands up before. Okay, so Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair, and thank you to the officers for clarifying that point. I think it makes it easier for all of us. I'm just going back to the original um, outline um, application or other permission. It's quite apparent to me that um, that proposed house is much narrower on the site than is apparent now, and also looking at that. From this perspective, I can't see a garage. Either that or the protrusion at the front is a pretty hefty garage. And that means, yes, I'm happy with my, the view I'll be going. Okay, thank you, Councillor Storrett. Councillor Reeve. Thank you. Uh, points of detail and street scene. Uh, but first, I do like the uh, PV panels that were on the roof, so uh, please keep those next time around. Um, uh, the other minor detail is, in terms of street scene, that, of things that haven't been already raised, is the gate onto the road. Uh, small things, but I've ticked, whether that's relevant or not, I don't like those. I actually think that's a fair point, to be honest, because the whole character of that area is houses set back with... The space in front, yeah. Therefore, we have a proposal by Councillor Gerard to refuse, seconded by Councillor um, Lachlan. So, with all those in favour of. Excuse me, Chair, are we clear on the reasons for refusal refusal, before yes, we we refusal. Councillor Gerard? Thank you, Councillor Stora. I think it's on Gen 2. Um, I believe that's the only one I need, isn't it? Yeah, and also you, you made comments before it which were really helpful and I wish I wrote them down. 
which was, is the impact on the, it was, it, the, the, the dwelling was too large and therefore out of character with the street scene or Gen 2. So it was very succinct what you said, and that, that's, that's spot on. We so, I'll say that again. Proposed by Councillor um, Gerard, seconded by Councillor <coughs> Lachlan, to refuse this application. All those in favour of refusal? Unanimous, Madam Chair. Oh, no, 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 sorry, it's not. Count them. Sorry. Hands up again, then, please, ladies and gentlemen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And. Against? Against? Abstention. Thank you. That's, that's been approved. Thank you. Um, Refuse, sorry, sorry. Apologies. Excuse me, Councillor Lemon. Sorry. We just have to record for the benefit of the recording that Councillor Merrifield has left the room. Thank you. Um, this is uh, item five on the agenda, and it's construction of a new council depot. Um, planning number UTT 19 stroke 1166 OP, and it's land to the south of Storford Road, Little Camfield. And I'd ask Karen Demark to go through our plan, please. Thank you, Chair. It's a bit more than the Council Depot, but we'll get there as we go through the application. This application relates to a site located in Little Canfield. To the north up here, you've got the A120. To the south is the Banana Packing Factory and Distribution Depot. Um, to the west is Bluegates Farm, which is a commercial site and it has planning permission for the existing buildings on the site to be demolished and a substantial office building built on that. Um, to the east are residential properties, and then you've got a couple of residential properties here adjacent to the boundary of the site, and then down here you have the Flitch Way. The proposal relates to a hybrid application. So you have Area A, which is this section here, and this relates to the council... Oh, go away. Four hours. No, postpone. Thank you. Right, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, so this is area A, and this relates to the council depot, and all matters are to be considered now. And area B, which is all of this area here, relates to a mixed-use employment development, and this is an outline application with all matters reserved except for access. The access point is over here onto the B1256, and this is to serve both Area A and Area B, so it's the same access for, both, for the whole development. Area A relates to the um, construction of the proposed council depot. 
is we'd have two interlinked buildings. So we have a workshop building here and an office mess canteen building here. And then the remainder of the site would be used for the parking of vehicles. Um, the building is located adjacent to the eastern boundary with extensive landscaping along the boundary to help screen the development. There is <coughs> sorry, excuse me, additional screening to the flitchway, a landscape buffer of 10 metres to the flitchway. And then we have an extensive up to 30 metre deep landscape buffer um, to the residential properties here. And that is um, proposed to include a four metre high uh, bund with the planting as well. The buildings would be around nine metres in height for the workshop building and 6.5 metres in height for the office building here. And uh, so these are the elevations. This is the one you would see from the field. This is the one looking into the site. Um, and, and then this is from the front and from the rear. Moving on to area B, this is proposed to be a mixed-use development. So the landscaping bund would continue around the residential properties, again up to 20, 30 metres in depth, and the landscaping, um, landscaping buffer zone along the flitchway is also proposed to be continued, um, but there is a proposed linkage into the flitchway here. The landscaping obviously continues around the um, boundaries of the site here as well. Um, obviously, the access into the site is indicated here. Um, the proposed development here is just given in parameters at the present time because it's an outline application. So we have development here in the more sensitive part of the site adjacent to the residential properties. This would be up to eight metres in height. This element here would be up to nine metres in height and this element here would be up to ten metres in height. And you saw this morning the site falls away towards the back. The scheme has been amended from the previously refused scheme which proposed buildings on the depot site to be hard against the boundary with the flitchway. As you've seen, these are now reorientated to the eastern boundary and a landscape buffer has been increased in size. And the buildings on the refused scheme on the mixed-use development were proposed to be up to 14 metres in height. So the buildings, um, the council building previously was proposed to be 12.4 uh, metres in height. Mm -hmm. So that's been reduced by approximately 3.5 to 5.5 metres in height. The <coughs> introduction of the graduated building heights in the mixed-use area better reflects the ground levels and are between 4 and 6 metres lower than previously proposed. The site is located outside the development limits and is in the countryside and is therefore contrary to policy S7. However, it is necessary to weigh up the benefits of the proposal against the harm arising. The proposal is located immediately adjacent to a listed building, which is on site this morning, and would result in less than substantial harm to the setting of the listed building. Again, it is necessary to weigh up the public benefits of the proposal against the harm. 
The council depot will result in the relocation of the existing depots in Southern Malden, Newport and Great Dunmo. The latter two are located adjacent to conservation areas and in close proximity to listed buildings. Their relocation will bring public benefits to various designated heritage assets. The proposed employment use will create additional employment and meet an identified need for additional units. Whilst planning permission has previously been granted for a mixed-use commercial development in Great Dunmo, this was an outline planning application and no reserved matters have been submitted and a consent has now lapsed. The proposed access has been considered by both the County Highway Authority and Highways England and neither raised any objections to the proposals subject to conditions. Therefore, when considering the planning balance, the identified harm to the character of a rural area and the setting of the listed building are recognised. However, it is considered that the benefits of relocating the existing depots have been adverse impacts on a greater number of designated heritage assets and the creation of additional employment opportunities within the development meeting an identified need outweigh the harm. As such, the application is recommended for approval subject to Section 106 as set out in the agenda and the conditions as set out in supplementary representations. They've been amended slightly, so um, it's the conditions as set out in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the recommendation. Thank you. Um, have all members received the supplementary list? Thank you. Um, we have eight speakers, and I please ask speakers to try to keep in their time limit. Our first speaker is um, Councillor Driscoll. And Councillor Driscoll, you have five minutes. Thank you, Chair. I will be very brief, actually. Um, Little Canfield is not in my ward. Great Canfield is. There is problems in the ward with large vehicles already eroding the sides of the road. Um, actually, I've had a, a, a meeting this morning with the HSE about something else, so I forgot to bring my pack with me. But we've got photographs of vehicles in excess of 40 tonne trying to get through those lanes. Mostly when you ask the drivers, because they're using sat-nav, and I believe that this will affect the area around Little Canfield, Great Canfield, despite what it says in the proposal. Um, I'm not quite sure how you're going to build a tunnel or a bridge to the B1252. That happens to be in East Yorkshire. So, first of all, you've got that wrong. Um, basically, that's what I've got to say is, if you put this in place, and it will be up to uh, fellow members here when they come to the thing, there has to be some TROs put in about vehicle use within that area, and I would suggest a 7.5 tonne limit, something like that, except for access, which will be monitored, bearing in mind that if you have this in place you reap the benefit of any fines that you put in place for that. Second thing is, quite simply, on the pictures that were shown up there, the proposal says 91 staff. How many car parking spaces have you got there? Sorry. 
So O'Neill, can you show it to you? 91 staff. I don't see 91 car parking spaces. I didn't see anything about electric points. I didn't see anything about whatever they're called that go on the roofs to attract the sun. So I think this needs to be um, revisited first and also considered against the other application that you have to come up at a different level in time. Because my understanding was they were both going to be on the same day. Thank you very much for listening to me. Thank you, Councillor. One of the things towards the end of your um, uh, statement, um, we are actually looking at this application and this application alone. Thank you. Call upon Paula Uraglo, please. And Paula, you have four minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, I'm sad to be having to come in front of this planning committee again after you unanimously dismissed the previous application in June 2018. Um, from what I can see, this new application for the refuse depot in land south of Great Dunmo is just a rehash of the last application with no notable differences other than the reduction of height in the buildings and um, moved a little further from the Flitchway. It was previously refused in June 2018 for the following reasons. I'll truncate them, but I'll give you a copy if you wish to peruse it. Um, the proposed development by reason of its nature and siting within the countryside is unacceptable. The proposed development by reason of its relationship with the adjacent neighbouring listed buildings is unacceptable. The proposed development by reason of its insufficient buffer to the Flitch Way is unacceptable. And also the development would increase the pressure on local infrastructure, which is unacceptable. So the only thing I can see that has changed with this new application, in my layman's opinion, is the buffer to the Flitch Way. The other points are unchangeable, therefore I cannot see how this application can be agreed. I would also like to bring attention to you the alternative application for the refuge depot in the, in the um, land east of Dunmo. It was recorded in the Dunmo broadcast Excuse me, in September. Um, we're looking at this application. I think this is relevant do to not this mention application. Other application. I need to intervene now. Chairman, there's, there's going to be a lot of... This, this is considering an application in Little Canfield. We're not considering an application in Great Dunmo. I think it's relevant it to our application. It is completely, absolutely irrelevant. You need to be looking at the merits of this application in front of you, and we will not allow discussions about the application in Dunmo. That is for another time. And then if I think the councillors should look at that. If this application is unacceptable in planning terms, members should be considering it. If members think this is acceptable in planning terms, members should be considering it appropriately. To consider so an another site would be a serious error in law, considering another application, so I will warn members that we cannot be put in a position where we are considering alternative sites. And I support that I take the advice of my senior officer and I okay. ask people to listen to what Nigel Brown so has I'll just, said. So I'll you. just come to the end of my notes then, which is um, the number of letters of representation on this application we're here for today, number 70 in total, all objecting, 100%. I wonder if this will be taken into consideration. If not, is there any point on commenting on a planning application? Uttlesford's planning department refuses to see any merit in looking at these 
application side by side, which leads us to believe that there is something underhand about this application. I hope I'm wrong. If your decision is favourable to us, so be it. But if not, at least consider delaying decisions so both applications can be looked at side by side. Thank you. Thank you. I will just make one comment. And as far as I'm concerned, as chairman, I have no knowledge of anything being done underhand. Thank you. I have another speaker, and the next speaker is David Adams. And David, you have four minutes. Chairman, would it be okay for you to hand out some leaflets? There, Thank you for your attention. Thank you. You have four minutes. Thank you. Hello. Um, my name's Dave Adams, uh, and I'm one of the residents that will be affected by this development, um, and we've been living there for the last 19 years. Uh, I do have to say I do feel a bit of deja vu because we've been here um, back in 2018 for the unanimous refusal. Um, but there have been a couple of tweaks, and I'd like to uh, respond to the planning uh, officer. Um, the, to move the buildings of the council depot away from the edge of the flitch. But I suggest that having 22-tonne vehicles coming and going is going to be more disruptive than a static building to the wildlife. Um, but also in the diagram, the outline planning one, which is diagram one, I believe, uh, in the uh, handout, um, it shows that the rest of the buildings will be against the, um, the, the flitch way. So it's only a partial mitigation. Um, the other bit um, was to reduce the height of the buildings at the back of the Bund. Um, but I'd like to refer to Blue Gates that you mentioned earlier on. Outline planning was given to Blue Gates um, to convert the building to uh, offices for the uh, occupants and family. Um, but the planning department um, uh, didn't... Um, accede to the local parish request for this to come to committee and is waved through with a very much larger building, five times the size and 25 foot in height. So we don't really have a great deal of faith in that um, outline planning is, is actually going to be followed. Um, I must also ask why this site warrants overriding 12 pieces of planning policy and the council's own landscape and heritage conservation officers who clearly state the setting of the listed buildings would be seriously diminished to the detriment of their significance, despite, possibly the, despite the possible mitigating measures. 
They also have to ask why the, planning, uh, the council planning department is also going against the way that it has consistently applied its rejections, where they have refused permission for the very reasons they are saying have been mitigated in this application. I've looked back over the last seven years, have lots of cases that we can supply, um, and just to quote a couple, the inspector upon appeal concluded that the proposed funding would be harmful to the landscape of the area and the setting of the listed building refused. Um, by reason of its nature, form and a couple of the ones that um, Paula read out earlier on. Um, just jumping on to uh, another point, the bond is set to finish at bed bedroom window level, and the suggestion was from the noise management plan is to keep our bedroom windows closed so we are not disturbed. Not really very nice. So the noise reduction methods will be ineffective at anything above the ground level. Um, and at the rear of the existing buildings, um, the bond will be one and a half times, sorry, uh, the, um, will be, sorry, at the rear of the existing buildings, there will be one and a half times the height of the houses and over two times the height of the bund for these, these new proposed buildings. Um, can this be in keeping with the rural area and within the form and scale? Um, environmental health reference 1183 of the previous application is, as far as I can see, missing from this application, which acknowledged that unacceptable noise could be generated. And government guidance IPP CH3 states that for trees to offer any significant attenuation, it needs to have more than 100 metres thick of densely planted foliage. Um, please could I refer you to diagram 3. The report states that 91 car parking spaces in the depot and the operator's license is for 34 trucks. So work and lunch, we're looking at 400 movements a day. And when the industrial state, which is four times roughly the area, will be somewhere in the region of 1,200 movements looking at the number of car parking spaces. Uh, in and out, the newly sited entrance. And it can already take up to 10 minutes to get out of Stortford Road onto the B1256 in the mornings. So... I can't see how that's sustainable. No details of the lighting plan have been put forward, so we could be under 24 hours daylight shining into the bedroom windows, as the lighting will be at more than four metres uh, the height of the bund. The hours of operation are 6am to 7pm, which will see staff arrival starting at 5.30 and departures leaving at 7.30, which falls in the government period of night being classified from 11pm to 7am. We also have shift workers, um, Nikki and Nigel, that live in the live and let, the listed building, um, close to the depot, so their life will be considerably disrupted. Mr Adams, can I ask you to begin to wind up your time as come? Okay, thank you. Um, um, the local plan, its current form, has also just been rejected, um, and therefore this doesn't uh, have any backing from that. Um, and I would, just to sum up, I would suggest that this is approved. It would be a dangerous precedence um, that will be set where the 12 pieces of legislation have been used to turn down planning applications consistently over the last seven years um, would be uh, able to be challenged um, as this would set a dangerous precedent. Thank you. Just to clarify a couple of those issues... Um, the local plan has not been rejected. We've just, received the, we've just received the inspector's report, and that is being considered. It has not been rejected. And secondly, the Blue Gates application that the, 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 the speaker spoke to did come to this committee in April. And so just, just to clarify on those two issues. 
Next speaker is Mark Bulling. Yeah, he's going to have extra time. Mark, you have, um, just so I'll give you a little extra time, so you have over four minutes. Okay. Uh, my name is Mark Bulling, um, and I live at Three Sort of Road Hill, Canfield, and I have lived there and owned number three since 1991, so I've been there for 29 years. My house is to the far end and the Takeley side, so one of the most effect five affected houses by this plan. As the plan stands at the moment, I'm totally against it. However, as before two years ago, I'm open to some negotiating to some changes so everybody can benefit something from this plan. Unfortunately, um, we are back here again uh, and no negotiation has uh, taken place. During the, last time, during the last time this was put to planning committee, nine people sat and all voted against it, some with strong words to say against it. And I ask why we're here again. I asked for some mediation last time and even posted the script that I had used last time on the UDC site for this time. Um, and interestingly, the UDC actually tampered with some of the documents that I put it, i.e. blanked bits out. Um, I'm not quite sure what that was for. Um, perhaps it's just sort of some sort of um, bullying or intimidation policy, I don't know, but anyway. Um, I've tried to engage with both Uttersford District Council and the landowner, Mr Chris Trembath, on this matter, um, but unfortunately to no avail. I again come here today not to fight a battle, cause a problem, nor upset people, but I find ourselves in this position that we were two years ago. I understand that UDC has spent about £70,000 on this from the local press. Um, this being taxpayers' money, I guess, I'm not sure. UD, UDC say, the only, positive, the only thing I've managed to get out of UDC is that UDC say it is cheaper for us to build on a greenfield site. That's the only response I've had from them in the view of trying to negotiate, do something. Um, I could go on putting the whole project down, but the general conduct of UDC I find very negative and boring, time-consuming to all bodies and in costs in terms of money. During the last meeting back in 2018, I made many points in the interest of progress to try and move, <coughs> move the future area forward, but none of the, the parties would engage and have failed to engage since. I operate using something I call the processes of common logic, and I knew this would not just go away, hence why we're sitting here a day, and hence why I was going down the road of some sort of negotiation previously. The whole project is going to majorly affect my property, which I have owned and lived in for 29 years. I am concerned that the proposed bank and strip of land will cause problems in the following ways. It will not be maintained, thus causing a five-star environment for the wildlife that the dust carts will bring back with them. So I'm talking about Roland Rat and Mickey Mouse. Um, it, will cause, it may cause a wind tunnel effect because we've already got the bank of the road on the other side of us. I don't know. At a later date, the bank could be removed and the houses built up to the back of our gardens, thus totally changing everything again, and this obviously would be total, totally un, unacceptable. The smell from the dust carts um, may be a problem. What's going to be done about that if it is a problem? Um, there is no sign of any proper vehicle wash uh, arrangement, which still isn't in there now, even though I mentioned it before. Um, planning... Yeah, um, right. Yeah, as you're planning to have this as your major hub of maintenance. Um, um, the plan 
the plan about any noise, re noise restrictions or working hours is still incomplete, such as noise levels to upper rooms in our homes. The hours, I understand, will be Monday to Friday, 6am to 7pm, and <coughs> other hours where needed, being as the government's night to day time is, is 11 o'clock at night to 7 o'clock in the morning, this falls out of this. There is no plan to how the yard is going to be lit. Um, clearly a, um, you know, a, a health and safety problem, along with number six, because things like you've got the reversing beepers in the dust carts and you're not going to have them operating, you know, and so forth. From a personal point, um, from a personal point of view, I'm against the whole idea of the grounds of the above, but as UDC comment has only been, it's down to money, let's talk. I will start by saying if the land adjacent to my home from the top of the bank with a fence on top of it to the boundary of the back of my home is handed over so the area can never be changed again, uh, I would be able to maintain it. That would be a good starting point for me and in coming up with a sensible plan to move forward with this rather than some sort of review, inquiry, expensive mess for everybody, not taking into account that the dust carts are still at the moment parked in Dunmo and potentially are homeless and are in a far worse place than if they were down in this new depot. Um, I would also like to see the whole area sorted out at the same time to reduce the impact for the future, such with a lorry entrance through to the new industrial estate to Hales Farm to get rid of the nip point by the front of the railway cottage and the banana factory. Um, the ground to the rear of Strood Hall is also under attack in a similar way and perhaps it would be a good idea to do something about sorting that out at the same time. As a realist, I understand the need for areas of industrial use and they, need, and they are needed for everybody to live. Your dust carts were offered a home over 10 years ago at Crump's Farm under the, um, well, in the days of Edwards Waste Management. Unfortunately, due to them putting their adjuster plant in, which was agreed that would take three, three years to do um, and took four and a half and Edwards sunk over a million pounds into this um, and that is why Edwards are no more because... The whole project just didn't pull through. As you see, I've put a lot of effort into this and I would like to be standing up today with a more positive response in view to the development. But as I am starved of information, it's very hard to do. The 74-page document, this is referring to the original that the other time, um, was produced eight days before um, the original meeting, so it's very difficult to go through it and understand it. Um, Right, I'll just finish this off now. I hope all parties will make an effort to sort this out, especially from the development side, as I am very happy with the area as it, as it is, but it seems things will change. And on a personal level, I would rather be part of a cooperative to move it forward rather than just going, no, no, no. In many ways, the Mark II plan... Um, is worse than the original. They're now Mr. not Pauling, being... can I ask you to begin to wind up? Yeah, I've got two more little bits to go now, yeah. Um, being no access to hail... The, sorry, in many ways, the Mark II plan is worse than the original plan because there is now no access to the back of Hale's farm, which it looked like there should be. And my house and my neighbour's house, Mr Adams, who just spoke, are just like a load of random dots on the plan now. They're just sort of like on the, 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 the council yard of it and the bund and everything else. Um... Right. And, yeah, with greatest respect, again, I would... We had 100... 
Oh, yes, I would point out we had 100% rejection on this last time and also the fact that Bluegate's farm permission has been granted with a much larger... Um, whatever it's going to be is going Mr. to... Mr Bulling, I must yeah. ask you to finish now and yeah, we'll move on done. to the next speaker. I'm done. All right. Thank you. Sorry, I, sorry. Nigel, you want to come back? Sorry, I'm not, sorry. just to reassure Mr, Mr, Mr. Bulling, uh, you mentioned before the, the blanking out of, of stuff to do with your document that you submitted. To reassure you, that is based, as members will, assure, will, 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 will know, that there's, there's, there's something called redaction, which means when you put in a detail that may have personal details in, we are obliged in the public forum to blank out things in terms of reduction for your own personal data safety. So it is standard, and it wasn't aimed at particularly you, and I think if you see lots of other documents on our website, you will have seen that. Uh, it's just down to data protection. Our next speaker is Ian Butcher, and Ian, you have four minutes. Thank you for allowing me to speak to the committee. Um, just to clarify my interests, uh, I'm the planning consultant um, advising Mr Wolfe and Mr Lawrence in relation to the planning application, uh, which we've been advised we can't discuss. Um, However, with relation to the application which is before us, I would like to remind the Planning Committee of three of the four reasons why the previous application was unanimously refused in June 2018. They are adverse impact on landscape, unacceptable impact on listed building, insufficient buffer to the Flitch Way. I'll assess each one of these in turns in relation to the revised application. In terms of landscape, it's the Council's landscape officer who states the proposed development would have a significant detrimental impact on the rural landscape, does not protect or enhance the character of the countryside, and that no special reason as to why development should take place has been demonstrated. Given these views, significant concerns remain, and therefore it is clear the revised scheme has failed to um, overcome this previous reason for refusal. In terms of heritage is the Council's Conservation Officer that states that revisions to the application are not considered sufficient to address previous concerns and remove the visual harm that the proposed development will have on adjacent listed buildings. It's curious that the Council's <coughs> um, Conservation Officer does not state the level of harm that they think, and it's interesting given that they're the um, expert in, in heritage issues. Indeed, what the Conservation Officer states is that the setting of the listed buildings will still be seriously diminished to the detriment of their significance, and this is despite mitigation measures. It is difficult to see how the case officer has interpreted this comment to mean the level of harm proposed will cause less than substantial harm. It is clear, from, as the, con the Conservation Officer concludes, the revised scheme has failed to address this previous reason for refusal. In relation to the insufficient buffer to the Flitchway, the aim is to seek a buffer with a preferred distance of 100 metres, but that should be at least 20 metres. The committee report confirms that the landscape edge is 15 to 20 metres deep adjacent to the Flitchway, uh, with a further, which is further reduced to 10 metres at the depot site. An insufficient buffer still remains, and it is clear the revised scheme has failed to address this previous reason for refusal. Uh, now that local plan has been found unsound and advised to be withdrawn, uh, the draft allocation is now irrelevant. Therefore, the site should be characterised as an isolated site in the countryside in an unsustainable location a considerable distance from the nearest main settlement. Uh, I did have a section about uh, telling you about our um, planning application, but I'm sure I'll be 
close down. But what I will say is we do think it's relevant to discuss that because the benefits of this scheme can easily be achieved on an alternative site. In view of our, uh, in view, it is our view, therefore, that the decision on where the depot site should be relocated should be based on what is best for Great Dunmow and the district and not on which planning application gets the most assistance to get to planning committee first. It is my client's view that the Camford application should be refused, but if the planning committee is minded, it should at least defer the decision until they've had the ability to consider the merits of my client's alternative application. The latest communication is that application has the potential to be heard in February. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, one point I would like to just stress that, um, to my knowledge, and I, I, I know that this is right, that the local plan has not yet been withdrawn. Found unsound. All found. Now, the, the, the speaker, and I'm disappointed because it's a professional agent that has said this, has said that the inspector said the has said the inspector found the um, local plan unsound. He did not. He, she did not, sorry. She did not say it was unsound. Um, yeah, I think the, the suggestion is read it, and that's what it says. We're not going to summarise it in nice little bullet points for the benefit or disbenefit of a planning application. Um, but he did, she, did not she did not say that it was unsound. And can I just say that this council has received a letter from the inspector as far as I know, all councillors have had it, and I would imagine most have, have, have read it. And that letter will be discussed at future meetings by councillors, not just the planning committee, <coughs> by full councillors. So I stress again, it has not been withdrawn at this present time. Thank you. I have Colin Day from Great, representing Great Dunmo Parish Council. And Colin, you have five minutes. I'm sorry, Councillor Day. <laughs> Very disappointed, if I may say so, Chair, but I will introduce myself. Colin Day, I'm a district councillor, uh, and my ward is Great Dunmo South and Barnston. And I am representing here today Great Dunmo Town Council. As you can see, I have torn this up. It's basically what I was going to speak about. Um, you won't allow. So I'm going to have to think a bit on my feet here, which is a bit unfair, really, for members of the public to have to do that because we are not professional speakers. We have put a lot of time, as the gentleman uh, before me said, uh, into this. So we're very passionate about this. So I'm supporting Great Dunmo Council and their objections to this application. Let's get it straight from the start. There's no dispute that a new site for our refuge fleet must be found. If I may, I'd like to start by saying that you're all, fellow councillors, placed in a less than satisfactory position, I would say, today. And I won't harp on it, but I'm sure, as common sense people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right, this site. Why? 
Why is it being proposed? Now, this is very difficult for me as a councillor because we're looking at our own council here, Uttlesford District Council, and I would suggest to you that they're putting all of their eggs into one basket. Particularly so when mention has been made on a number of occasions here about this site being mentioned in the emerging plan. And it's absolutely right that the plan is still alive. But therefore, you're not getting the best opportunity, as I've already said. So let's go into some specifics about this. The application that before you, I'd suggest, there is great danger here of creating nothing less than urban sprawl. And such sprawl would merely, excuse me, because I've had to change things, merely blight the approach to what is essentially an ancient market town, the heritage of which must be preserved as much as reasonably possible. At present, the site serves a part of open countryside acting as a buffer between Great Dunmo and the rapidly expanding housing developments at Little Canfield and Takeley. Anyway, can I draw your attention to some further matters? Those matters are mentioned by the case officer. Paragraph 9.3, the highway's impact on the A120. This has been addressed by works agreed with Highways England, but the impact on the local road network has not been addressed. This, I would suggest to you, is a material consideration. This being particularly relevant given the close proximity of the two roundabouts that connect the B1256 to the A120. These, if the Eastern Park Garden Community is approved, will serve as the only route in and out of that proposed community of 10,000 new homes. It currently serves as the exit point to the gravel pit, and we already see the toing and froing of sand and ballast tipper trucks. Anyone with local knowledge knows only too well how this stretch of the A120 can and does become highly congested during rush hours. The reporting officer has weighed up the harm and benefits, and I refer you to 12, uh, paragraph 12.1 of her report. But I would suggest that material facts have been ad admitted from points 12.4 and 12.5, which, had they been stated, would surely tilt the planning balance to give less weight than has been assumed in the officer's report. In essence, too much weight is afforded to employment land because the information is incomplete given the same opportunity for employment is available at you know where. UDC is well aware of this alternative employment, which I would add has good access to the A120 and has been designed to include an alternative for a new you-know-what. 
Importantly, the permission for Smith's farm development, about a mile east of this site, has lapsed, but could quite easily be granted again once the landowner dispute is resolved. This would enable the employment site to accompany the 370-unit residential development, which has planning permission and space allocated for employment land. The Smith's Farm site is close to the town's other industrial estates and is the logical place for employment land within the town. But of course, this has not been drawn to your attention by the case officer. Finally, to sum up, all great Dunmo councillors, that includes the district and the town themselves, agree that this application should be refused because it is an unsuitable site. But if you have any reservations about doing this, in the interests of transparency, I would urge you first to you know what? I don't know what. Thank you, Chair, for giving me the opportunity of addressing you. Good afternoon. Thank you. Um, I have a final. Um, I have a final speaker. Is James Bellafield? Uh, hmm? oh, sorry, sorry, Jeremy Fulcher, Jeremy Fulcher, Little Camfield Parish Council. Sorry, Jeremy. Jeremy, you have four minutes. Four minutes. Okay, I'll, I'll do my best in four minutes. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to bring it down to my level a bit here. The last time I sat here was June 2018. The decision on that day brought a bit of hope to the hearts of the residents of Little Canfield. Indeed, the planning committee, in about two minutes, unanimously rejected the plan. Indeed, it was a comprehensive 100% rejection. We expect nothing else today. My passing words on that day were to the effect that the proposers should spend less time in the office and more time looking for sites for this depot in Uttlesford. Clearly, they didn't take my advice. In June 2018, they had spent four years looking for a site and came up with a plan to build the depot and significantly increase the size of Hales Farm industrial units. I call them industrial units. They're actually a mismatch of redundant farm buildings with a few, with a few second-hand porter cabins thrown in. Who is to say that Section B of this application will not end up in the same state? Access is poor to the present site and not much better when you're on the site. As said earlier, the landlord of Hales and of the field involved was approached four years ago. It was refused. Eighteen months later, we are faced with the same application. Yes, there are mitigating circumstances for all the reasons for rejection last time. However, in essence, the, plan, the application is now no different. Just a few buildings rotated 180 degrees. It will be a blot on the landscape, adversely affecting listed properties, relatively poor access, and the biggest problem that the continued ribbon development along the Flitch Way, a well-used longitudinal park, which should be championed by Ulsford and Essex County Council, and something to be extremely proud of. 
It will mean the length of the Flitch Way from Dunmo will be developed all the way into the middle of Little Canfield with houses, a new school, more houses and then an industrial park. After Bluegates, another new development, there is a bit of a respite until you reach the west of Little Canfield where development begins again, begins again and continues right up to the M11 roundabout and you wonder why we are objecting. I hope you have referenced the minutes of the meeting of that day of June 2018 to refer to the um, committee officer's report when it was stated in section 5.2 we have addressed the planning issues concern ensuring uh, from the last uh, application ensuring the depot can be delivered promptly they have not they have not um, addressed those issues. It goes on to say, there is adequate room for expansion. It will offer pro employment for the new residents of Eastern Park. That says that Eastern Park isn't even approved yet. And if it is approved, what is the average wage of a council employee in this sector? It continues excellent accessibility onto the A120. There is no accessibility onto the A120. It's onto the B1256, and that roundabout is pretty dangerous going, going down towards Bishop Stortford. And then it claims moving from Newport would benefit the uh, listed buildings in that immediate area and free up a conservation area. Well, what in God's, where are you moving to? You're moving to another area with listed buildings and a conservation area and the Flitchway. Communities responded last time, 83 objections and one supporter. This time, uh, well, this time I think it's 89 objections, 100% of the community in the older part of our village. You have undertaken to listen to your parish and town councils, Little Canfield, Great Canfield and Great Dunmo oppose this. And I would hope you cannot possibly differ from the last unanimous decision from this planning committee. Listen to your community. Better sites are on offer with less impact on a small rural community that, is, that we are feel privileged to live in this setting and is, we are proud to live in Uttlesford. I would hope that you would seriously consider rejecting this, appeal, this, uh, this application. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll take your rubbish with me. <coughs> um, our next speaker is James Bellafield. And you have 15 minutes, up to 15 minutes. Ah, well, um, thank you for that. I'm going to relieve everybody immediately by saying that I've prepared on the basis of three or four minutes. So that's all the time that I'm going to. Uh, ask for. You will, I'm sure, be extremely relieved to hear. Uh, councillors, uh, as you uh, know, uh, national policy in paragraph 80 of the framework is that, and I quote, uh, planning decisions should help create the conditions in which businesses can invest, expand, and adapt, uh, and significant weight says the government, significant weight should be placed on the need to support economic growth and productivity. 
the substantial benefits uh, of this scheme, which I would uh, invite you to agree, clearly justify the grant of planning permission now, reflect that national but also a local and regional need to create and encourage economic prosperity. This scheme uh, proposes itself new high-quality B-class space perfectly located on the strategic, strategic road network to the satisfaction of both the Highways Authority and Highways England, uh, and uh, which is adjacent to substantial uh, existing employment development at the Banana uh, facility uh, and the proposed and consented employment development uh, at the Bluegate site immediately to the west, as your officer pointed out to you. Uh, equally, this scheme will facilitate the relocation and upgrading of the council's depot thereby safeguarding 91 uh, jobs uh, and allowing redevelopment of the New Street Depot in Dunmow Town Centre for uh, presumably residential uh, purposes. But that is only a part of the benefits that this scheme can bring. Uh, in addition, well over 90% of the scheme's more than 20,000 square metres of new high-quality floor space is to be used for general employment purposes. That part of the scheme will undoubtedly be a huge provider of new jobs. In addition to the many plainly temporary construction jobs, uh, there will, using Home England's multipliers, be around 540 permanent jobs on Part B of the site. So that's in addition to the 91 safeguarded uh, council depot uh, jobs. And that obviously is to say nothing of the many millions the scheme will put into the economy every year in terms of uh, salaries, local spend, uh, and uh, business rates and so on, which the council can then spend on its own uh, priorities uh, elsewhere. Uh, and I'm sure it won't go over the line, certainly the line observed by earlier speakers, for me to comment that this figure, 540 additional permanent jobs, uh, is five times more uh, than is proposed on any other extant uh, planning application in this uh, area, including at you-know-where. Uh, more broadly, there is an overwhelming requirement for new employment development within this district. 14,000 new jobs required in the period to 2033. 14,000. Uh, and that is why, uh, as well as the Council's Facilities Management Service being a co-applicant uh, for this uh, application... In addition, the Council's Economic Development Officer, as you will have seen in your report, uh, is such a strong su supporter uh, of the uh, scheme. Developers uh, are often criticised, and I'm sure this committee has issued its fair share of such criticism, for bringing forward nothing but housing. Here is a scheme with no housing, 
and a great opportunity to maintain the balance between jobs and homes. Indeed, provide a significant proportion uh, of the jobs which this council knows it needs to provide uh, in the period assessed to 2033. Uh, Your officers, uh, including, importantly, the Environmental Health uh, Officer, have confirmed that the proposed mitigation arrangements, uh, and those include, uh, please, uh, I'm sure you won't, but please uh, don't disregard that they involve the planting of 6,000 new trees or so uh, and the planting of 2,000 metres of new hedgerow uh, on the uh, boundaries of this site. Those mitigation measures will satisfactorily preserve the amenity of surrounding residents uh, and of the area and they will achieve a net gain in biodiversity. Uh, The impacts, and there are some impacts, we don't dispute that, are clearly outweighed uh, by the mitigation proposals taken with the substantial public benefits of the scheme, which I have uh, outlined. This district's economic needs are not going to get any smaller. Uh, I implore members to recognise the compelling economic case to release the site and to do so now so that businesses do not take their jobs and investments to locations outside of this district. Thank you, sir. Thank you, members. Thank you. <coughs> members, you've listened, we've listened to um, eight very good speakers. Uh, I now throw it open to members for their comments. Um, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I was on the committee uh, for the last application and was proud to say that I actually refused that. I've looked at this and I really can't see much difference. Um, I think it will have an adverse impact on the area uh, and on the people that live there and I really can't see any benefits. So the gentleman just now quoted the MPPF. Well, I'd like to do the same if you don't mind. And it says, planning policies and decisions should recognise that sites to meet local business and community needs in rural areas may have to be found adjacent to or beyond existing settlements, which this does. But it says, uh, it will be important to ensure that development is sensitive to its surroundings, does not have an unacceptable impact on local road and exploits any opportunities to make a location more sustainable. That's the MPPF. Well, we know that it will have an impact on local roads. We've got great lorries trundling through, which don't happen now, with all the ensuing pollution that that will bring to these uh, people that live there, uh, which I think is quite a travesty. They've enjoyed all these years uh, fresh air. That are, the A120, we're told, is uh, polluting the area around there. And I don't really think uh, we should be responsible for making their lives worse. So I will be uh, refusing this application. Councillor Sutton. Sorry, can I just second that, please? Did you, was yours a proposal, Councillor Yeah, I, well, actually, do you want me to give you the reasons? Yeah. Well, 
Yes, but I need you to say I propose... Oh, sorry, I propose to a refusal for uh, S7, all the um, reasons that went before. But I would like to ask, actually, um, I know E4 doesn't really apply to this because it actually is a farm diversification. But farm di if we had uh, some uh, agricultural buildings on there that were going to be changed, it, said, it would say uh, that the development would not place unacceptable pressures on the surrounding rural road network in terms of traffic levels, road safety, countryside character and amenity. So if, uh, if the farmer came along and said, I want to turn this into stables or something, we would have to make sure that it was uh, uh, with this policy. And it wouldn't be, and neither is this. Can I just, if that is a proposal... I don't, it certainly I, is. I, 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 yeah, no, no, I, I'm taking that <laughs> yeah. as a proposal. But I don't want to make it difficult to cancel. We need to go back a few steps. You just can't say we'll refuse it for the same reasons as last time. Well, okay. And, uh, so, so I, I did say <laughs> you want me to tell you. Well, I'll tell you then. <laughs> S7, ENV2, Gen2, Gen4, Gen7 and the MPPF. Right. Okay. Right. Right. I need. I need. We we can do this, but we need to do this properly because I mean, if you know, so so you can't What's just. What's improper about that? You Mr. just Brown? can't throw a list of policies. You can't throw a list of policies and use them as a reason for refusal. You need well, I'm telling you the policies I want to refuse it on. Yeah, but yes, then you, but you have to give me the harm so that I can. Elaborate on we those can do this. Reasons. I'm not trying to make it difficult. I'm trying to make it robust. You can't just come up with a list of policies and say, "Well, we're refusing." Well, that's what we usually do. And you say, "Why are you refusing this?" And we say, "Because it's contrary to popular, uh, to popular, to policy, but, whatever that is." And but, I've just told you what they are. We, uh, we're not doing it like that now. We didn't do that sake, like that last um, time. I remember giving Councillor um, Gerard a similar, not a quite hard time, but trying to move forward. <sighs> so uh, how would can you I, like me to I phrase just, it? That is acceptable. Councillor, can you just hang on a minute? Can I just... I, I agree with Councillor Lockton that in normal practice we would just say... Yes. Uh, why cannot we do that this time? Okay, why cannot we do that this time? You, the, <laughs> when you get to a position where you're refusing... I mean, I'm not trying to make this difficult. I'm trying to make it defensible moving forward. And I think we will end up in the same place. But previously, we have in the past approved, refused things. And yes, you have given me a list of policies and officers have taken them away and have formulated some refusal reasons around those policies. Robust policies, robust refusal reasons, and we've, we've defended those on appeal. But we have been criticised on appeal because there's been a missing gap between the members themselves formulating what the... There hasn't been a discussion about this yet regarding this proposal. So if members are talking about refusing, for instance, on S7, and I can't put words in your mouth, but there is harm that the case officer has accepted within her report to actually say there is harm. You can't refuse something simply because it's S7. You, there has to be harm. And if you think there is harm to the countryside, then that's it, and that result, and then we've got a policy to latch onto it. Similarly, when you go down with the 
And also there's a level of harm as well you need to consider as well. But then you also need to go down the level and go EAMV2, impact on listed buildings. Again, the, again, the case officer has mentioned there is harm as a result of this development and also the level of that harm. And we are saying as officers it's outweighed by the benefit of the proposal. You may disagree with that and you've got the right to disagree with it. But again, you need to formulate what those... I'm not asking you to say we will refuse it for this reason, blah, 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 blah. Just we think that it is contrary to this policy because of this. And we can fill in the gaps. We have not done that in the past, but we are beginning to do it now. And you may have seen this happening over the last few months. And it has been happening over the last few months. And it is not a regular thing overturning things at planning committee in, in, to this level. So therefore, and it hasn't been. And that's probably why. So we have in the past just had a list of, policy, list of policies, but that is not the way to do it. You have to fill in the gaps in terms of what we need to do and what, why they are contrary to that policy. Um, I have, I, I'm I? sorry, I have at the moment three other speakers. Hang on, I, I'm, just... going to, I'm going to carry on with other speakers and in the meantime... But you've just told no, me you, you want just me to wait. tell you what the harm is for these policies and now you're not allowing me to. Uh, that is the problem, sorry, sorry, Chairman. Oh. That is the problem Holy of going moly. straight with a proposal. The matter hasn't been discussed. You made your comment. Okay, you initially didn't propose it. You made a discussion and said that's where you're going. Um, so I think there has to be a discussion. I'm sorry, first. Nigel. Can I just come back? Because I was going to say to Councillor Lockland, if you sit back for a minute, we have three other speakers and possibly more. Listen to them and then we will come back to your proposition. So do you want me to withdraw my withdrawal? No, I'm not asking okay. you to withdraw. I'm asking... <laughs> well, that's good because I ain't going to do that. I've got a proposition from you, <laughs> and I think I have a second... Uh, uh, oh, I've been told not to take a seconder yet, but um, Councillor Sutton, you wish to speak. Councillor Storer, you wish to speak. Thank you, Chair. I am thrown by the, uh, the route we've gone through to get to here. Um, what I'll do, and I'm sorry about this, I'll, I'm going to quote paragraph 1111 from the case officer's report. There is a climb to meet an existing identified need, as well as the need to meet longer-term requirements for the, for the district for employment land. I'm talking first, forgive me, for, uh, about the council um, depot, and then I'll move on to uh, the employment aspect. This proposal will deliver both benefits. Whilst the site has been allocated in the emerging local planning policy, LTCAN 1, as being appropriate for council depot and employment purposes within use class B1, little weight can be given to this policy. And the point I'd like to make is that given the receipt of the inspector's letter on the local plan, insofar as I'm aware, my interpretation is that that situation remains the same little weight can be given to that policy. So therefore, we are real... I was going to say reliant. We are not reliant, but um, the starting point will be the adopted local plan, and that means we're, it's a seven that kicks in. And that situation um, does not change in Savannah somewhere. So it's something, if, when it comes to refusing things, if that's what we do, on the basis of policy S7, I think it would be appropriate to make a reference to the fact that, uh, and that is not overridden by the draft law, by the draft, the policy in the draft local plan to which very little, or little weight can be given. Moving on 
then to the uh, employment situation. If I can find it. And I might have this wrong, so do correct me if that's the case. Again, I'm going to quote sections of paragraph 11.5. Forgive me for that. Policy E1 of the adopted local plan identified 9.6 hectares, a 9.6 hectare site for employment land in Great Dunmow. Uh, it goes on, in respect of the site in Great Dunmow, planning permission was granted for Mantle Estates for an element of the site for commercial development. Uh, however, this scheme was part of a hybrid application. The only outlined planning permission was granted for this development. Due to issues outside of the planning system, no reserve matters application has been made within the required time frame, and this consent has now lapsed. In addition, other land identified in policy one has not come forward for commercial development or, or has now been granted planned permission for residential development or retail uses. Now, if that is saying, if, that um, previous allocations have fallen short and not been implemented, my response to that would be, well, so be it. It's not relevant now because the allocations in the adopted local plan were to the period up to, or including, it's academic, 2011 to comply with the then counter-structure plan. That situation does not now apply. Therefore, we are reliant upon the draft local plan again, and whatever that says about um, employment requirements and employment land requirements. But again, to repeat what I said earlier on, little weight can be given to those policies. And so that is something which didn't feature in the previous reasons for refusal, but perhaps could and should now. Thank you, Chair. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm reminded of the Monty Python sketch where, where you ask, do you want a five-minute argument or a 20-minute argument? And this does seem to me to be, well, you can't refuse this because it'll go to appeal, and that's routine. And if you haven't had an argument about it, then that's, that's, that's no good. You've got to have an argument. So let's have the argument. You know, we've spent about five, ten minutes on this. I think we can make it a 20-minute argument, by all means. Uh, I'll add a few more things into the pot. It's I'm, I'm sorry, I might not allow a 20-minute argument. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. No question about it. You're definitely allowed 20 minutes. But I won't spend 20 minutes on this. I'm going to share it with my colleagues. Uh, the reasons why we turned this down first time around is its development in the countryside. It's one of the reasons. That hasn't really changed. You've got 10-metre buildings right alongside the Fitchway. The Fitchway needs to be um, protected. If you don't protect these things, they're taken away and you never get them back. Um, it's unfortunate that looking on that satellite image to the south uh, and east, there's these established buildings, which I'm told is the remainder of, a, is in fact a banana um, warehouse or whatever. Uh, that, that's fine. No, 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 not that. That's good, thank you. Um, banana warehouse, but that's a given. You know, it's there already. Uh, I personally feel, uh, I personally feel that this, basically it's turning some perfectly acceptable fields into uh, a, a small industrial estate in a place where there's not much else other than the existing uh, framework to the south of the uh, south of the Fitchway and uh, Flitchway, and I would I, I, I'm minded certainly unless 
in the period of this argument, somebody else persuades me otherwise, but I really think that we should hold to our original decision on this site. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Gerard. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Um, that's a very short argument, Councillor Freeman. I think I have to extend that argument slightly. Um, if we were to have a competition amongst ourselves and devise the worst thing you could do on this greenfield piece of land, I'm not sure we could actually come up with anything worse than a depot. I mean, housing might be good. We, we need housing. Um, you've got the Flitchway, which many inspectors have told us must be looked after and protected. We've had lots of appeals that we've won in the last year uh, where they've mentioned the Flitchway and its importance. Um, it is we have to look at planning arguments here. This is, this is, look at the development plan. And we are dealing with the adopted plan of 2005 as we speak. That's our development plan, unless material considerations dictate otherwise. Now, this is contrary to planning policy. We have it in front of us. We have a, a green book here called the Adopted Local Plan. And there are policies in here. And it's very clear, and I'm going to be very, I'd like to go through some, in terms of reasons, I do think there is harm here. We are, we are harming, we are, we are harming, is the magic we're harming word. Mr. David Adams in his house. We're harming Mr. Mike Billing, Mr. Mark Billing in his house. We are, there are harms to residents. Okay? That's, I think that's the first thing I'm going to say. There are harms to residents, and I think that it is an unsuitable location for this development. I will give that as a reason. Unsuitable location. Okay? And the impact of this development will have a, a harmful impact upon neighbouring residents. And therefore I concur with Councillor Lachlan and I would now like to actually, if I may, second the motion for the reasons that I have given in... in conjunction with our various arguments that it does not comply with planning policy S7 because it has, it's detrimental to open countryside which we are told by our own landscape officer it's quoted by our own landscape officer who reminds us that development in the countryside is protected for its own sake it says it in our local plan which we have to follow. We'll come to the MPPF in a moment if we have to. But first of all, protect it for own sake, unless special reasons why the development needs to be there. Now, does it, does it protect or enhance the character of this part of the countryside to have a depot here? I argue it does not protect or enhance the countryside. Uh, I see no special reasons why that this must take place on this piece of land. So S7, I think, is a very strong case. The only difference between what we're facing now and what we faced a year and a half ago, I wasn't sitting on the committee, I was back there listening to the argument. I'm now making an argument. And there were some very, very strong words about this application then, which I won't repeat because it was quite fruity. But the point is that the only difference here is that we're a year and a half on, our local plan is a year and a half older. Our emerging plan has advanced and now perhaps not. We're not really sure. Um, we have buildings that are now not 14 metres high, but now 7, 8, so 8, 9, 10 metres high. The 
configuration has changed. Um, I'm not sure what else has changed. So I, I don't see any reason why we would be inconsistent with the reasons why we refused it last time. In fact, I would argue that actually the environmental case might be even stronger now. We, 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 we know that there's wildlife running across those fields. We know there's deer. We know there are badgers. And we know the flitchway must be protected. So, again, policy S7, I think that the... Um, the issue regarding the relationship with the neighbouring listed buildings and the impact of, on, on, on public benefit uh, is policy to ENV2. Um, I think that the, uh, the insufficient buffer, there is a buffer, I still think it's insufficient. It's more sufficient than the last time, but I still believe it's insufficient, contrary, and, and therefore it doesn't protect wildlife and users of the Flitch Way. And therefore, as the proposed, proposed Council Lachlan said, Gen 2, Gen 4, and Gen 7. And possibly even Councillor Stora E1 comes into play, I, I, I would probably concur. Gen 6 that we mentioned last time, um, in terms of the pressure on the local infrastructure within the district, in terms of the impact there, I'm not sure about Gen 6. Um, I would need to take advice on that, but... Um, I, we might want to consider Council Lachlan Gen 6, which is on the page overleaf from what you saw, but certainly I concur with what you said and I'm seconding the motion. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Nigel Brown would like to... So I know it sounds really boring and pathetic, but I think we're almost there now, but we just need... But the fact is there was no discussion. We went straight in and said we refused it for the same reasons as last time. We do need to be seen to be considering an application. I didn't get out of bed this morning thinking that this was going to be in a position... I, I, I thought I knew where this was going to be going, but I think we do need to do this properly. That's all I was saying. Harm is the particular word. It is contrary to policy... The officer has said that in her report. Look, it is contrary to policy, but we do need to take into account, and the countryside isn't protected for its own sake. The countryside is protected, but we cannot accept development in the countryside that causes it harm. And there's a difference. Now, members are quite clearly, well, the proposed and the potential seconder here have actually come up and, and, and considered there is harm from it. But that hadn't got to that point. It was just, it was just going to be free. And that's why. Now, the other matter regarding impact on neighbours, again, members have made that judgment in terms of harm on neighbours. That's clearly Gen 2, a Gen 2 policy issue, if members want to go with that. Councillor Gerard has also mentioned um, the impact on the list of buildings, which the Conservation Officer has concluded there was... Um, a less than substantial harm to the, to, the, to the listed buildings adjacent to it. Clearly there are listed buildings. If members are of the view that, that the benefits do not outweigh that harm, and the benefits are quite clearly there in terms of the provision of a depot, etc., and also the provision of employment is a benefit on that site. There could be alternatives. This is not the only, this is not the, it is the only site on the table, but it is not the only place on the, on the whole of Uttles where you could put a depot. So it's not, you're going to have to have it here. I'm sorry, this is, this is what we're going to do. That's why, whilst I've been very put clear in terms of not talking about an alternative site, alternative sites is a consideration in terms of working it out in terms of the balance. So we're there. So, and so it's, it's back to the proposer now that we have, so, you know, you mentioned S7, harm to the countryside, M2, which is harm to listed buildings, and Gen 2, which is harm to other... That's where we are at the moment. Uh, before I take you, Councillor, can I take Councillor Storey? 
Thank, thank you, Sorry, Chairman. I need to also mention, pick up, your, answer your question, Gen 6 also needs to be included as well because there was infrastructure. Just a question to uh, Mr. Brown, if I may. Uh, am I right in thinking there is merit in reasons for refusal? Because I'm conscious, in particular, of any potential appeal in making reference to the fact that this is an allocation in the draft local plan, but that has that policy merit for little weight. I wouldn't even mention it because okay. uh, the letter has not changed anything in terms Absolutely. of it had, it had minimal weight before we started and minimal weight at the end of the week in terms of consideration of the application. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I'm very pleased to say that we've come back to what I said in the first place, except we had all the waffle in between. So, um, so can, can, we, uh, can we agree now on the uh, policies that we're going to go with, which are S7, uh, EMV2, Gen2, Gen4, and Gen7, and Gen6 you wanted to include, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to look up? Um, Gen 4 is specifically about machinery, but yeah. we are talking... Yeah. Gen 4. Yeah. Yeah, we can add Gen 4, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Fortunately, the waffle in between is the stuff that takes yes, it, days yes, and yes. days and days in inquiry. Right. That is what the waffle in between is about. So right, that is, for, so it is quite fundamental. Well, I quite and I make no apologies to make okay. it. So, uh, but we're coming back to what I said originally, and we're going with the policies that I asked for. Good. Councillor Lachlan, I'm not now prepared to take, I don't think, any more waffle. And I'm going to put, I'm, I'm sorry, I have a proposer and I have a seconder and I have good reasons to support the proposal. Mr. Chairman, sorry, I just want to clarify, please. Are we including Gen 7? And are we including E1? As proposed, as su suggested by Councillor Storer. Okay, just to clarify, Gen 7, Nature Conservation, we have no objections. There is no harm to, to biodiversity, unlike the issues regarding historic environment and landscape environment. There is no demonstrated harm. From, 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 I'm not saying there's no, going to be no wildlife affected by it, but so Gen 7 is a difficult one. And E1, E1 is very similar to S1 in terms of just its allocations. That part of the product is, is not the MPPF clump. That bit's out of date. I know you didn't. So. Thank you for that. So now, at least now, that is it. I'm not having any more waffling. I'm going to put this to the vote. Um, can I ask those in favour of refusing this application? Unanimous this time, Mr. Chairman. I think I can see everybody. Right. I'd just like to thank uh, the members of the audience and the speakers and, uh, and the members of our council. Um, I think we'll now have a break of uh, ten minutes, maybe. Okay. But thank you all very much. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Thank you very much. Welcome back. Um, it's now UTT 19-1864, a full application, Terrier's Farm, Boynton End, Thaxted. And it is um, Ms Jones. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. This is the site members visited this morning. This slide shows the location of the application. It is located to the south of the B1051 between Faxted and Little Sanford, approximately 600 metres east of Faxted. The site is south-facing from the land, rising gently up from the southwest to the northwest by some 10 metres. The application site covers an area of 52 hectares of Grey 2 arable farmland. The access is via Terrace Farm Private Road and to the site, south of the site is an area that has recently been identified as a World War I airfield. And that, that's down here. Designated assets within 1.5 kilometres of the site are the scheduled monument Terrace Farm moated site, which is this here, 
55 metres north of the application site, the Grade 1 listed Church of St John the Baptist, the Grade 2 star listed Goddard's Farmhouse and 23 Grade 2 listed buildings. The application is for the erection of a solar farm, which would consist of rows of photovoltaic panels running east-west across the site. Development would have an operational lifespan of 40 years. The installed capacity of the development will be approximately 44 megawatts peak, which would generate enough electricity to power approximately 13,100 homes annually. And the development comprises uh, 1,250... 125,856 self-facing panels, PV panels, power inverter and transformer stations, a distribution network operator substation building, customer switchgear control room building, security fencing and access gates, CCTV cameras and landscaping. There is a solar farm adjacent to the site, which you can see on this slide here. That covers 29.96 hectares at Spriggs Farm. And there's a substation to the north of the site that we saw this morning here. The site consists of fields that are bounded by a mixture of hedgerows and trees and free woodlands bordering the west, east and south of the site, with a further woodland situated some distance west of the site. The fields are also dissected by public right-of-ways. To the south of the site is part of the um, Turpins Trail, which is here. Public rights-of-way form three sides of the main area of the proposed solar farm and two sides of the separate field located to the northeast of the site. The field to the north of the site has overhead power lines running diagonally across the site. No public rights of ways will be lost, and an additional one will be created to the eastern boundary. So this is the additional one that will be created. The development will comprise of 125,856 self-facing PV panels, with a maximum height of 3 metres, and they will be 0.8 metres above ground. Each array will be mounted on a single metal framework which would have a maximum height of 3 metres above ground and be tilted at approximately 20 degrees. Each row would be separated by approximately 3.2 metres. The perimeter fencing would be 2 metres in height with open sections at the bottom to allow for small mammals to pass through. City CCTV cameras will be erected on the fencing at approximately every 50 metres or a change in fence line direction. The proposed development would have an adverse effect on the existing rural character of the site, which will be evident from the network of public footpaths in the vicinity of the proposal site. In view of the sensitiveness of the site, (laughs) special landscape advice, specialist ecology advice, and also specialist heritage advice has been sought. Specialist landscape advice is that at the nearest point the site is some 0.6 kilometres distant from the northeastern edge of Faxted Village. The spatial separation, topography and existing vegetation between the village and the proposal site is such that the potential visibility of the development from the village is extremely limited. 
it is not considered that the proposed development would have a detrimental impact on the bucolic setting of Faxted Village. To mitigate the potential visual impact, the scheme makes provision for the creation of some 2.5 kilometres of native species hedgerows, the gapping up of existing hedgerows and the planting of native tree plants along the northwestern boundary of the site. Whilst these mitigation, uh, the proposal would not result in the loss of any existing trees or hedgerows. Whilst these mitigation measures would reduce the visual impact of the development from parts of the footpath network and the Sanford Road, additional planting is considered necessary to reduce further the visual impact of parts of the proposed array from the footpath network. And he suggests a... Um, planting of this existing woodland to be extended here with another woodland here um, which would create a new native species woodland of some 2.6 hectares and the justification he gives this that it would break up the scale of the solar farm, reduce the visual impact of the array from sections of the surrounding public footpaths and produce a visually um, backdrop to point parts of the array. The applicant has responded stating that the new woodland suggested would be outside of the red line of the site and therefore providing a new woodland in propriety would require the purchase of the land and would not be viable and may not be achievable. It also would not allow for the land to be returned for agriculture use in the future. They have suggested the planting of a five metre wide tree belt along a section of the western boundary. So they've suggested the tree belt here. However, um, the landscape officer is that whilst this provision states that whilst this provision would provide some additional level of screening, a linear tree belt is considered to be at odds with the existing pattern of vegetation in the landscape and the retention and provision of additional broad hedgerows along this edge is considered to be more appropriate and that is what the um, applicant has agreed to do. As a compromise, the applicant is agreeable to provide an additional tree belt planting approximately of 180 metres in length along here. This tree belt would be infilled to the existing field boundary vegetation to strengthen the screening of views to the south from this section of the footpath. If agreed, a condition needs adding to secure the additional planting in accordance with um, Plan LV4, version 2. As stated above, the proposal includes proposals for landscaping and nature conservation enhancement. In addition to the additional tree belt, there would be hedgerow and infill planting along the western boundary, south, southern boundary of the larger field, and tree planting to the northern boundary of the northern parcel of land. It is, however, not considered that the development would meet the requirements of policy S7. Um, but the mitigation measures that the proposal proposes would meet the aims of policy EMV8. With regards to the viability of the agricultural holding, the land can return to agriculture use and the proposal also would allow sheep grazing to take place under the panels without damaging the cells. The removal of arable production on 
BMV land is a factor against the scheme, but this is compensated for by the use of the grass between the panels for sheep grazing, together with the production of electrical energy. The scheme would add a new income stream to the land holding. The use of the land for sheep grazing needs to be assured. This can be achieved by a condition that requires the approval of a solar panel, a solar farm grazing management plan. The applicant has requested that condition 14, which would secure that, be omitted, and that condition 6, which requires a landscape management plan, to be reworded to include a grassland management plan, as this um, could cause financial problems to the scheme. The proposal also includes a beekeeping area. Historic England state that they are satisfied that whilst a degree of harm would be caused to the significance of the setting of a number of the designated heritage assets within a 1.5 kilometre radius of the site as a result of the visual impact of the PV panels and ciliary infrastructure, the level of harm would be acceptable. The airfield... Um, World War I airfield opened in 1916 and it closed in 1919. It's located to the south of the site, adjacent to the public right-of-way 49-67. So it's this area here. And this shows the southern boundary looking west. So this again is the um, area of the um, Airfield, and as you can see from this public right of way, you've got views of the church and the windmill in the distance. Although these Uh, these photos show the green lane, part of the Turpins Trail, so it's a um, enclosed, runs along the south of the site, and this is, shows a photograph of the solar panels on the adjacent site. This de- development would g- generate up to 44 megawatts of electricity to power approximately 13,100 homes annually, which is a s- significant benefit. Comments have been received that Alternative sites haven't been considered, but paragraph 1119 and 1120 of my report addresses this. It is considered that the benefits of the scheme outweigh the harm subject to the conditions listed, and it is recommended that the application be approved. Thank you very much, Ms Jones. Um, We have some public speakers, and the first one is Councillor Taylor. As you know, Councillor Taylor, you have five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Madam Chairman, members, officers and other members of the public. Last year, Uttlesford District Council unanimously passed a motion declaring both a climate and environmental emergency. Among its aims were that both global warming, i.e. CO2 production, and environmental concern should be considered throughout the Council and in its various roles. The fact that we took the decision to consider both global warming and the environment uh, together at that time, I think, is pertinent to this application. I'm speaking today 
not only as a member of the Council, sitting on the Climate and Environmental Change Committee group and the Health and Wellbeing Board, but also as a representative of the residents of Thaxted, where I live, and the many walkers, dog walkers, runners, tourists, and even some horse risers who regularly walk and enjoy this wonderful open landscape which we have seen. We've seen the footpath along the edge of the um, proposed site where you've got wonderful views of Thaxted. Um, and these people, and therefore this is a significant asset to the health and well-being of the many... Thank you. I don't know when that went off, but all these are people of all uh, ages and backgrounds. I have had the opportunity to seek the views of many of the large number of local people and tourists who enjoy this wonderful landscape. Inter interestingly, I have found no one who is opposed to renewable energy in the form of photovoltaic electricity production. But many are very concerned by the loss of views, habitats and change to the environment. These people are therefore very concerned by the environmental impact, but acknowledge the benefit of photovoltaic electricity production. Returning to the role of, of Uttlesford District Council, I'm pleased that the landscape officer has stressed the potential harm to the landscape and has suggested that there must, must be appropriate screening. In particular, and it has been mentioned, it was suggested that the developers should plant a 2.6 hectare wood of mixed native species to the west of the solar farm. This, of course, would help mitigate the visual impact, but also provide added benefits both to the environment for species diversity and CO2 capture. To me, this is an example of a positive and intelligent approach to planning. I was therefore extremely disappointed that the developers have stated that they are un unable to plant this wood, um, as we have heard, due to boundaries. Um, and again, we can only, be, we can only speculate, speculate as why, why this may be the case. Um, and I and my fellow residents are very suspicious of this project's approach to the environment that they will work constructively to properly screen and plant a significant number of trees. And if they don't do that, I believe that this development should be declined permission. I hope that photovoltaic power production can be included in many future developments and plans in Uttlesford, using spaces on roofs, appropriate solar arrays on brownfield sites, or perhaps underutilised poor agricultural land. I think it is therefore appropriate to quote Greg Barker, MP, when the government int introduced its comprehensive strategy for the solar industry. I do not want uncontrolled expansion of solar on the countryside. The main focus for future growth must be on on-site generation. Ideally, that should mean rooftop deployment on industrial, commercial and retail rooftops, even on car parks and other brownfield sites, as well as domestic roofs. This is the essence of our ambitious strategy. This statement certainly does not support large-scale solar arrays on Grade 2 agricultural land in areas of significant landscape and amenity value. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Taylor. Our next speaker is... 
Mr. Mc, Mr. McPherson. Good afternoon, Mr. McPherson. Thank you very much. And you need to press the button in front of you, in the middle. Yeah. Thank I'm, you. I'm a resident of Thaxted, and I'm speaking against this application. I mean, it's difficult in the current climate, in, with more meanings than one, to uh, argue against uh, renewable energy. And I generally support the drive towards renewable energy production. However, I'm against this scheme in this location and on this scale. Uh, this application conflicts with Uttlesford Local Plan Policy ENV15, which states that small-scale renewable energy development schemes to meet local needs will be permitted if they do not adversely affect the character of sensitive landscapes, nature conservation interests, or residential and recreational amenity. This is a huge proposal on Grade 2 farmland and would industrialise a sensitive rural landscape. Uh, you may have seen the huge solar farm alongside uh, the A11 on the way to Newmarket. This was, that was also developed by the current applicants and has a capacity of 38 megawatts. The current proposal at 44 megawatts is larger than that solar farm uh, in terms of power generation. And as we've seen from, from one of the plans, one of the maps, uh, the site sits right next door to another solar farm at Spriggs Farm of 30 hectares. So combined, the two sites would take up more than 82 hectares or more than 200 acres of Grade 2 farmland for solar power generation. I, th I think that would be one of the largest areas of continuous Grade 2 farmland in the UK that is taken up with solar panels. In addition, there are two additional solar farms within uh, two miles of this site at Little Bardfield. So this part of Uttlesford, I think, has already got its fair share of solar panels. As we've also seen from the maps, the proposed site is in the middle of a network of well-used public footpaths, including Turpin's Trail. In fact, most of the site's perimeter is made of footpaths, and there's also another footpath that runs through the middle of the site. Users of these footpaths would be walking alongside fencing and solar panels. There's also... Uh, around 43-metre-high security, uh, security cameras around the perimeter of the site, and most of these would be visible from the public footpath network. The Council's own landscape officer says that the proposed development would have a significant adverse effect on the existing rural character of the site, which will be evident from the network of public footpaths in the vicinity of the proposal site. Uh, just before Christmas, uh, there was a report in the local paper that the Uttlesford Ramblers, with, with some help from Essex County Council, have recently restored and relaunched Turpin's Trail as a re recreational path for, for local residents and tourists. The Thaxted section of the trail is already affected by the Spriggs Farm Solar Park, and the current proposal uh, would further damage enjoyment of the trail, which runs for about one kilometre along the southeast edge of the application site, shown on the map there at PROW 4928. 
Uh, and it's already been mentioned there's a World War II uh, airfield. Uh, there was a World, World War I airfield on this site. Thank you. As you walk along this section towards Saxted, the, the trail currently has open views to the north and west, including uh, distant views of Thaxted Church and Windmill. These views would be, and th this is part of the trail, actually, Turpin's Trail, the earlier Sunken Lane is also part of the trail, but the views are more open in this section of the trail. Um, so... These views would, I think, be at best blighted by the proposal and at worst obliterated by the solar panels, fencing, infrastructure and any mitigated measures as well. Um, there was a, a, a report on the landscape character of Uttlesford, the Blandford report. That, I am uh, going to have to ask you to um, bring, bring it to a conclusion. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, the Blanford report says that open views should be conserved um, and also views of that, uh, local landmarks such as Thaxted Church should be conserved. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll finish off by saying that the, the Solar Trade Association is the largest trade body of the solar power industry and, and they've published 10 commitments for development of solar farms. They state that solar farm developers who are members of the Solar Trade Association and the applicants are members of this association will comply with the, the following best practice guidance. And commitment number one says we will focus on non-agricultural land or land which is of lower agricultural quality. They qualify this in the small print by saying that possible exceptions to these land use rules could be areas where all the land is of high quality such as it is in Uttlesford, and it would be considered unreasonable to exclude development on these grounds alone. However, the loss of 52 hectares of Grade 2 agricultural land would not be the only reason... Mr McPherson, I must ask you to stop now. Thank you. Okay. Um, it wouldn't be yeah. the only reason to refuse permission. There are other reasons. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Next speaker is Mr Brazier. Thank you much, very much, Mr. Brazier. You have four minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I speak on behalf of Thaxton Parish Council. As of Thaxton Parish Council, I. Sorry, Councillor Brazier, then. You have um, five minutes, then. Uh, thank you. Because it, it, sorry, it didn't say what, where you were from there. No, so. no. Thank you. Thank Being you. Councillors, give me another minute. Okay. Thank you. Um, Within, well, we, <laughs> sorry, is there somebody uh, from... I, um, when it was first registered that people would speak, I was told Richard Haynes was speaking on behalf of the parish council. Um, I don't know whether that's still the case. Or... Is that the case? It was said that Okay, one of you can speak in the part, part of the parish council for five minutes. The other one has four minutes. It's, it's only one representative of the parish council. So You'll have nine minutes between. You'll have nine minutes between. You, you, have, nine minutes, you have nine minutes between you. Okay. Okay, thank, thank you again, Thank you, Chair. sorry. Thank you. Um, I'd say, in my role as a parish councillor, I would state at the beginning, Thaxter Parish Council is not against renewable energy. We must make that very clear. Um, I also speak from a position of Norwich with regards to the site. I live within about a kilometre of this site. I live within about half a kilometre of the 
existing site attached to Spriggs Farm. I speak from a position having been involved in the farming industry for 40 years and know many of the farmers and landowners around here, so I'm not talking out of my bottom bits. Um, as you've heard, and I don't want to reiterate, this is a very historic site and I'm amazed that it's even been considered in the first place. The woodlands that you would see around on the southeast corner, if you'd gone down that way um, this morning, were actually planted by German prisoners of war. There's Highgate's wood, which you can see there, and Blunt's wood, which is backed on, which is to the right of that picture there. Um, you also know about the World War I airfield. But more importantly, if I came to this committee with a proposal to put 120 acres of housing or building of any sort on this site, you would say, no way. What, what were you talking about? Yes, you need housing, but not here. Same principle applies here. Yes, we need renewable energy, but not this site. There are ample sites around, as has been already noted, where this type of thing could take place, brownfield sites, sites of less valuable farmland, and certainly sites where there is less environmental impact. Again, I don't want to go up with what's been said. It's well walked. It's extremely well walked, this site. It is steeped with wildlife. There are large herds of deer. You start putting up many, many, many metres of fencing, you, you elude them from 120, 130 acres of land, nearly 200 acres of land with the adjacent site. It's a major harm and impact to the deer, the monk jacks, the badgers, the foxes, birds of prey. It's, it's, there's loads of buzzards. There's, we're getting more kites come back in the area. You get a kite with two-metre wingspan trying to, to pick off prey that's in amongst those solar panels. I'll tell you what's going to happen because it's happened before. They break their wings. You've already seen from the pictures shown there, three-metre-high panels, um, as quoted by the planning officer. You walk around a site like this where people currently enjoy the views which you've seen on those earlier slides, you're not going to see anything. As you come around by Blunt's Wood, you look towards Thaxted, you see a beautiful view, one of the best views of Thaxted, that one there, you'll ever enjoy it on a clear day. On a summer's evening, about nine, half past nine, you walk down there, it's a beautiful sight. You see the windmill, you see the church. You're not going to see anything. You're going to see your three-metre panels, you've got a two-metre-high fence. Look at the top of those windows. That's the height of your panels. You're not going to see through that. You've got galvanised fencing alongside you. The existing site, it was screened, supposedly. You've got little small hedgelings put in, inappropriate, not tended, they don't grow. You will not get any screening, I can assure you. Grade 2 listed farmland, it will never go back into production. I tell you, now, the cost of putting this land back into production in 40 years' time, it won't happen. This will be lost forever. Um, so, um, your own policy states here, the S7, um, this will only be permitted if it protects or enhances the particular character of the countryside. I'm sorry, no disrespect to you good people here. You can see this isn't going to enhance the countryside. It's going to ruin it. Um, it will be seen from the B1051. You see the top northwestern corner of that. You will see that from the Sanford Road. You can't be off it. You were there today. You saw how far you came off of... I'm assuming you went into Terrier's farm down by the substation. Um, there are endless farmers who have got panels on their roofs. They feed into the same point consumer board 
where the power comes into the building, it can go out of the building. Last year, in July, I think it was, the government stated that for the first time ever, this country had reached a point where it generated more electricity in one day from schemes like this and other renewable energy schemes than it ever did from traditional schemes. So the country is keeping pace. But I go back to my earlier statement. You wouldn't put houses here. We need houses. Don't put this here. There are other sites. All I can say is, and I could go on forever, it's the footpaths, it's the view, as the good doctor has said to you, the, the, the benefit to the, environment, to, to the residents through walking in this is phenomenal. I will just say the major thing happened back in 2015 when we had a Gladman appeal in Thaxter against housing, which Mr Brown knows all about. And the government inspector, having walked with him for seven hours around every aspect of Thaxted, seven hours that man took with us, and it wasn't the view from the roads he was concerned about, it was the views from the footpath. We went out the eastern side of the village, we looked down from Cutler's Green, and his report, and you can look this up, said that no development of any natural form should take place which will damage the views that people can gain of Thaxted from whichever direction they take. And you can look that up with regards to the Gladman appeal. That was his policy then, um, and I don't see why this should change. Finally, I would say to you good people, you're blessed with an opportunity to preserve this, not for us, for future generations. And I urge that you take that opportunity that you've been blessed with. We're all councillors, not for what we can get today. We're trying to preserve things in Thaxter, the countryside. What you do here is brilliant. Please take that opportunity. Preserve this for future benefits, because there is no gain there's no community gain here. It is purely commercial gain. There's no jobs. There's nothing else going to come out of this. These are unmanned places. A bit of work when it goes up, but outside of that, the only people will gain will be those that either have rented the land on this site or are generating electricity. Nobody else will gain. All you're going to do is remove the natural right that people have to enjoy the countryside. And I ask you please to consider this very, very carefully. Because once it's gone, it's gone forever. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Mr. Brazier. Councillor Brazier, sorry. Um, is he done to four? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. Councillor Haynes, you have four minutes. Thank you. It does seem that everything to do with planning these days and planning decisions come down to a planning balance. Do the advantages of the, uh, the de development outweigh the disadvantages of breaching established policy? I mean, it all seems pretty subjective to me, but that seems to be what it comes down to. Well, if you actually gloss over some of the inconvenient evidence, you will inevitably come down in favour of, um, uh, of approval. What I'm going to do is just hopefully rattle through some of the uh, inconvenient evidence that's either been missed out or glossed over in the officer's report. First of all, with regard to the EIA, um, it says at 4.1, uh, it was considered that the proposals would not give rise to any significant adverse effects. But then if we turn to 11.10 of the officer's report, it says the proposed development would have a significant adverse effect on the existing rural character. So why no EIA? Uh, point two. 
the landscape officer. It is said the landscape officer has no objection subject to mitigation. But we've just heard that the applicants are not going to put in the mitigation measures that he's asked for, uh, saying that it's outside the red line. Well, funnily enough, the tree belt that they're now proposing is also outside the red line. So, inconsistency. Um, Heritage. Uh, Conveniently, uh, the officer's report says that Historic England do not object. But why is there no mention of the report that Uttlesford themselves commissioned on this from place services? Clearly, place services do find this uh, an offensive development. They say that it would cause severe cumulative change. If we look then just at local plan policies, ENV 15, we've already heard that, small scale, if impacts are acceptable. Well, It doesn't follow, therefore, that large-scale ones are outside of this requirement. Uh, By extension, this must apply also to large-scale developments. Uh, E4 um, relies on E4 for diversification of farming farming, um, activity. Um, But that is dependent upon four criteria, one of which is continued viability. Well, given that this is taking out 130 acres from the middle of the farm, where is the evidence that the remaining parcels will be viable? There isn't any. S7, planning officer agrees at 11.15 that this doesn't conform to S7. So there you go. I mean, point, uh, point proved. And in fact, um, on the last application, a lot of weight was given to S7. Um, If we then turn to the PPG, uh, the PPG on landscape specifically says that um, regard shall be had to the landscape character assessments. Well, the Thaxted Farmland Plateau was assessed by Chris Blanford, uh, commissioned by Uttlesford, uh, where it was referred to as being sensitive to large-scale development, and the advice was to conserve open views. Um, We're now coming to the rather more important bits, which is regard to the ministerial statement in uh, 2015. Um, This is briefly mentioned at 11.3 in the uh, officer's report, but it is not addressed in the appraisal. Um, This came out at the same time as the PPG on uh, renewable energy. And what the minister said, and this is very important, protecting the global environment is not an excuse to trash the local environment. With regard to best and most versatile land, it actually said there would be a need to be justified. This would need to be justified by the most compelling evidence. Well, there is no evidence. The officer's report suggests that that would require a sequential test. There is no sequential test. There is no option appraisal. The applicants refer to two appeal decisions which did allow uh, development of solar farms on. Um, on on best and most versatile land. In actual fact, both of those decisions can be distinguished, but I haven't got the time to go into it now. But um, what is significant is that in one of those cases, the applicants had to analyse 40 alternative sites to, to prove that this was the only one that was viable. There is no assessment of alternative options. And then finally, um, the officer's report does 
keep on about this being temporary and reversible. Well, 40 years, uh, almost two generations, the land will be covered in metal, glass, and all the noxious material that goes into these, these uh, panels. Um, 40 years is hardly temporary, and it's hardly going to be reversible. So I do think that there are so many um, points against this that you can hardly say that the balance is in favour of uh, allowing this to proceed. Um, even if you wanted to grant permission on principle, I just do not see that you can. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Councillor Haynes. And um, the final speaker is Mr Hartley Bond, the agent. Thank you, Chairman. Councillors, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for allowing me to speak this afternoon. My name is James Hartley Bond and I represent the applicant Low Carbon. Um, I'd like to thank your officers for their efforts on this application, which has re resulted in a positive recommendation. We do, of course, acknowledge that concerns have been raised by the parish and members of the public, and I'll attempt to address a number of those that have just been raised, uh, if I have uh, time permitted. Um, but before I do so, I think it might be worth me busting a few myths. Um, I've heard some things said about uh, low carbon and uh, us as a company, so I think it's just worthwhile me just giving a little bit more background on low carbon and our approach to development. Um, so low carbon's a privately owned British company um, with sustainability at its core, aiming to accelerate the transition to a low carbon society. We manage approximately 20% of the solar farms you see around the UK, including our own and those of other reputable organisations, such as pension and investment funds. We're recognised for successful management of land and biodiversity across our sites. Typically, on one of our solar farms, you will find thousands of new trees and hedgerow plants, new habitat created for wildlife, and, across a number of our sites, a total of two million honeybees. In the case of the latter, low-carbon honey is given to local schools, raising awareness of both renewable energy and nature, demonstrating how well the two things actually go hand in hand. We do these things because we genuinely believe in them, and they all help assist in some way both renewable energy, uh, uh, sorry, the transition to, uh, for communities becoming low-carbon and more sustainable. This approach permeates everything that low-carbon does. Um, I'd now like to just take an opportunity to explain why this particular site. Our starting point for all site searches is to identify viable grid connections. This means that we annually explore several hundred opportunities nationally, and to prove viable, we must find sites where further generation can be added without significant upgrades to our electricity network. This has become more difficult due to the ongoing, ongoing decentralisation of power generation and means that less than 5% of all opportunities we look at may actually offer a viable connection. Whilst our preference is for sites in less constrained areas, this is becoming increasingly difficult. Therefore, if we're to continue with the transition to low carbon and sustainable communities, there have to be trade-offs. We're acutely aware of this, and this means that we have to consider opportunities in more constrained areas such as Uttlesford. Ideally, there would be local, comparable scale, brownfield or allocated sites and close to a viable grid connection. However, these opportunities simply do not exist. 
The reality is that for districts such as Uttlesford to continue to support the development of renewable energy, this will inevitably lead to careful trade-offs on issues such as land grade quality. However, we believe that when balancing these issues, it weighs in favour of the proposal. What I'll try and do now is just touch on a few of the, the points that were raised um, by the previous speakers, um, starting with landscape and visual impact issues. And we do appreciate that there are strong feelings about aspects of the, the site um, and that we have sought to mitigate these as, as, as much as possible. Um, we have proposed a comprehensive landscaping scheme, which was noted by the officer earlier, um, which is essentially a full perimeter screening of the site. Um, that means it's a combination of uh, new hedgerows and tree planting and also gapping up of, of existing hedgerows. Um, a, a new tree belt has been proposed after discussions with officers. Um, we've also... Uh, with regards to um, the public rights of way, it, as again has been mentioned earlier, we've looked to, um, we've at request during the consultation event we held back in June, we have um, accepted a proposal. We think it's quite worthwhile um, to create a new right of way, uh, permissive, a permissive right of way down the eastern side of the site. Um, And I guess the next point really I'd like to really stress about is with regards to biodiversity, which was raised. We've actually proposed a comprehensive biodiversity management plan, um, and it's welcomed by officers and various statutory consultees. This includes sowing species-rich grassland beneath the solar panels, establishing mammal gates within the fencing, planting native ivy and honeysuckle around parts of the perimeter fence, providing winter fruit and year-round landscaping cover, and after discussions with the Saffron Walden Division of the Essex Beekeepers, reserving an area for an apiary. So, as well as benefiting from the provision of re renewable energy, there are benefits of increased vegetation habitat, whilst removing intensive farming practices, and I think that's quite key, um, with, especially with regards to grade two land. So intensive farming practices which bring monoculture and actually the impacts from fertilisers and herbicides on our environment. Um, in conclusion, we acknowledge local concerns and have sought to deal with them in a sympathetic way. We have been held to high standards by our officers in doing so. Moreover, low carbon holds itself to the same high standards as we aim to deliver projects with significant benefits beyond the provision of clean energy. As a council, Uttlesford declared a climate emergency on the 30th of July 2019, committing to making the authority carbon neutral by 2030. The declaration stated that the next 18 months will be critical and the issue must be treated with the utmost urgency. We believe this proposal presents a significant opportunity to help deliver on those ambitions. Specifically, it shall provide enough clean electricity for over 13,000 homes annually, improve biodiversity on the site and surrounding areas, create additional vegetation around the site and a tree belt beyond, create a dedicated apiary for local beekeepers, and create a permissive right-of-way enabling increased access to the countryside. Committee, we hope you can appreciate great care and effort has gone into selecting a site capable of delivering these benefits, whilst minimising any impacts, and respectfully ask that you support your officer recommendation.
Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'll open it up to the committee. Councillor Bagnall. Uh, I'm then. just looking at the um, in the officer's report of conclusions. I was just reading those. Um, so I wasn't aware that there's an adjacent site uh, which adds, adds to a much larger area of grade two agricultural land being lost. Yeah, in your defence, when we, because you were, were travelling okay. separately, we went up to the alternatives. Yeah, the, no, the that's existing. fine. So I wasn't aware of that. So obviously that's, that's a big impact. Um, and it says about the, um, it's such that the development would be temporary and reversible. I think we've heard here that temporary may be not temporary and mm -hmm. reversible might be impossible. So I'm, I'm sceptical about conclusion A. If I look at B, um, it says about uh, residential amenity. Having seen the photograph of the, of the footway and an existing uh, series of panels, I think there's a, there's a significant loss of public amenity along those footpaths. So I, I have issue with B. Um, local highway, I'm not, con not convinced about. I don't really know. Um, D covers protected species. Now, I'm not sure what's protected uh, specifically, but I think what we've heard is that there's a massive impact on the wildlife in the area, and we know about various species and what impact that might have on them. Um, I don't know about the flooding. Uh, it, is in a, it is in a dip, so there could be an impact on flooding, but I can't really speak for that. Um, uh, and the heritage asset, it's the outlook as well. So I, I get a better sense now of the loss the local people would would see in terms of those, those walkways. So walking along the edges of those trees uh, and walking along the footpaths, you can imagine what they're going to see if these panels are at three metres. That's what they're going to see. There's going to be no views at all. There's going to be lanes of three-metre panels. So I can, I can sympathise with the local residents on that, that there's going to be a significant loss there. Um, and I, I wasn't aware that... I thought this morning we said that there would be a second woodland planted. Is that not the case? Yes. I thought we but said that... Yeah. There would be trees um, planted along here. Right. And then to this boundary, this boundary, along here. Where, where was the area of along the woods? Along here and along we here. At the area of woods, That's we, the we were area told of there woods. would be a second one next to it. No, no, no. Um, the landscape officer suggested um, planting of woodland here, piece of woodland here. Um, but that is outside right. the okay. ownership of the... So, um, so that's, that's possible and equally it might and, be And it wouldn't be well. able to be reversible back to arable land. And that's why this, was, this tree belt was suggested so that at the end of the day it, you, you, there's no loss okay. of arable land. Right. I, I'm going I'm to let the debate run. To clarify something, um, there's been lots of talk with... <laughs> about 40 years not being temporary. Case law says 40 years is temporary. Yeah. And however ridiculous that may sound, 40 years is temporary. I think I'm, I'm less concerned about the temporary, but I'm more concerned about, about the turning it back. And it well, sounds like it's not really reversible. Yeah, but that's... That, OK, that's a fair point. And okay. uh, I, I just leave it at that. That's the, and also, sorry, on the biodiversity issue you mentioned, you haven't heard 
evidence that there is biodiversity harm by this proposal. The evidence in front of you from the Essex ecologist is that there is no harm to ecology as a result of this. In fact, there's positiveness. You may have heard in objecting people saying that there may be harm. That's not independent evidence provided. So you just need to be careful in terms of what saying things like that because the evidence about ecology is in front of you in the officer's report. That's fair enough, but obviously we have to take uh, everybody's point of view into consideration. Yeah, okay. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you. Uh, when I first saw this, I, I was quite enthusiastic. I, I, I like solar panels, I, I like wind farms, I like all these sort of things. And I think I still am. Um, but what went through my head whilst the representative of uh, Low Carbon was talking... I checked out their website, and it's not a very informative website, it doesn't work very well, and I found it fairly unconvincing. Now, leading on from that, a thought occurred to me, well, okay, imagine that this thing gets built, sort of, and then low carbon no longer exists. So you're stuck with 52 acres of land, is it acres or hectares? All right, 120 acres, 52 hectares of land covered in silicon and copper, uh, which would not be trivial to get back to be an arable land. Uh, the scrap value is minimal, actually, because it's basically panels of glass and some mild steel. Um, so it's unlikely anybody would want to dismantle it to get it back to the way it was. So we're very hostage to the firm that's put this up and their viability what we're really looking at is, is there 40 years' worth of viability in the company that's running this? And we have comparisons. When solar panels first came in for houses, dwellings and things, there were people busy selling you solar panels left, right and centre. Uh, some of them would actually do it for free, just to get used to access to your roof. Um, and they'd pay you back at some sort of rate. You know, you get some cut of the profits or the yield. And it was all very wonderful. Um, and I think most of those, not, maybe not all, but a significant number have failed one way or the other. So what we need to be asking ourselves is, not will you get your land back in 40 years' time, I'm quite confident about that, but in what state will we get it back? Uh, and will it be usable? Uh, and that does worry me, because uh, unless... When Audley End, it's a slight digression, but when they allowed the railway to be built across their land to get to Saffron Walden. The deal was that if you ever take this away, if the railway stops functioning, you will restore our land precisely to the way that it was before you built the railway. And, of course, Beeching in the 1960s did do away with the railway, and they spent millions of pounds of public money taking out the cut, filling in the cuttings and taking out the embankments. Uh, it's a great shame, you know, but there we are. Uh, now, I would want to see something similar here. That's the first point. The second point is that today wasn't really a good day to go and look at this, and in any case, it takes longer than a casual visit from a bus uh, down the end of a track, because really, to value this, it needs to be a day when you can walk the so-called Turpin's Way and various other things and say, well, imagine this with a solar farm on the left-hand side and the right-hand side. I don't think we're in a position to make the right sort of judgment here. Um, we have made that sort of judgment for dwellings 
uh, out on the road between Thaxted and um, Saffron Ward. And I can't remember the name of, of the development, but we walked all the way down a long footpath and looked back on the, the development was on the ridge. And we looked back. Uh, the setting there involved the church and the windmill as well. And it was a sense of place that caused us, I think, to turn that one down, actually. So I, 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 I mean, I, I have reservations about this only on the basis that if this firm low carbon ceases to exist, there's going to be 52 hectares of grade 2 agricultural land covered in silicon and mild steel. And nobody's going to pay to put that back. And that worries me. We need some reassurances on that matter. I'm just going to ask Nigel. That's a fair point. You're you're talking, obviously, decommissioning. Condition 12 suggests that, and I'm going to give it a go, I think Condition 12 actually does provide the necessary decommissioning that after 40 years, um, I don't know where I'm going to be 40 years, but I ain't going to be sitting here, that's for sure. But in terms of 40 years' time, the, the issue regarding decommissioning means that provides um, a scheme for the decommissioning. It's done in blah, 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 blah. It's, that's how it is. You could boost that, and my experience in, in previous renewable energy applications, specifically wind turbines, but it's the same thing, uh, where if you end up with a, you know, Renewable energy, we could be in a situation in 30, 20 years' time where technology's got to a different point. We don't know. It could get to the point that this is the solution. We're going to get more of this, please. But I think Councillor Freeman's quite right. If we're talking into a, a longer period in 40 years' time, um, you may need more comfort than that. So there is an option regarding that particular condition if that, was, if that becomes a sticking point in terms of commission to maybe boost that up through a section 106, through some sort of bonding or whatever needs to be done in terms of that. So if, I, if, that, I may if we're chairman, left holding the baby, the, what happens? The thing, the thing is, if the company no longer exists, and this is the case with people that have entered into contracts for solar panels on their roofs, with firms that no longer exist, and companies go bust just like that, they go pop, they get swallowed by other companies, you know. You can't guarantee that this company is going to be in existence in 40 years' time. So we need some fiscal guarantee that we can decommission that land ourselves if we have to. And in the absence of that, I am opposed to this particular... That's why I mentioned the word bond. Uh, You know, if a bond is provided... And if this company... And I'm not suggesting at all that this company goes under, but if this... It's the farmer that's left holding the baby it's the farmer's responsibility and he may go oh i don't know much about wind turbines oh don't know much about solar farms or whatever i don't flipping care there is a requirement for you to do that and so some sort of fiscal i'm not saying that can happen but i think if that becomes a sticking point we can take that away and try to give you some sort of uh, some sort of assurance i suggest maybe through a session 106 and some sort of bonding idea to actually do that because that is a fair point Councillor Keaton, I think it was, and then Councillor Reeve. Yeah. Oh, and was it, or was it you, Councillor? Sorry. Yeah, I think, yeah. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I mean, I'm going to take a kind of broad brush, big picture um, view of this. I mean, uh, as uh, Councillor Taylor said, that we did de- declare a local... Um, climate change and ecological emergency about six months ago and you know we have got to be to uh, put some um, muscle behind our resolution Uh, it's 
this uh, application seems to me to be viable. It is next to... It's got infrastructure already provided for it because of the, the adjoining um, solar farm. It, it clearly um, stacks up from a business plan point of view. I do think I take uh, Councillor Freeman's point, but the, you know the renewable energy market is now quite established and robust. And so, if one company goes bust. If it's a viable uh, entity, it's likely to be taken over. But that doesn't mean to say we shouldn't go down the bond route. But I, I also have walked the Turpins Way. In fact, along with Councillor Alan Dean, I actually uh, co-created the, the Turpins Trail. And it will have, in this very small section of it, will have an impact but I actually think we're all saying all solar panels are, are, are bad, but they're also educational. They will provide walkers and residents of, of Thaxted and school children an opportunity to see what renewable energy is all about and a, an opportunity to learn about climate change. And if that isn't something that we as a council don't value, then I, I think we are not doing our uh, future generations a service. Um, so I accept there will be some loss of immunity. But I have to say that that view down the valley to, uh, to the, the church and uh, the windmill will not be lost in total. It'll, it will only be for that 200-yard section that you might have some interruption into the, that um, view. And so, and it's not going to be visible from Sanford Road, uh, only maybe in a passing glimpse. Uh, I just think we need to be looking at the educational uh, benefits of, of having this um, facility in the district as well as the downsides. We, we do sometimes think to see, see the problems and not the opportunities in some of these uh, applications. And on this one, I see the opportunity. I don't see uh, a great problem. Eve, and then Councillor Lachlan. Thank you, Chair. Um, I have um, some questions, and then I'd like to make my observations. Uh, a couple of questions. The um, glint from the um, solar panels to the aircraft, I saw that in the report that, that was stated as something which still needed to be looked into. However, having said that, uh, the adjacent uh, solar farm presumably gives the answer that it's okay, otherwise there would have been a crash by now. Um, but do we have, do we have a, a, an answer to that? Um. Yes, that is the case. Um, it's just that the safeguarding um, team at Stansted have asked for the condition to be put on as a belt and braces. Okay, but what condition can be put on? It's a condition... Yeah, but I, I just wondered what physically that actually meant, if anything. It's 
uh, condition seven, uh, um, and what will happen is they will have to submit um, an assessment, which will then be considered by uh, with um, the airport safeguarding team. Okay. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, the decommissioning, I, that was going to be another of my questions that was already asked. I think that that is important that that be put in. I used to work uh, in the oil and gas industry, and I know that, that no proposal was ever made without the full decommissioning being uh, set in concrete before anyone did anything. So I think that uh, should be done. Um, the next question was the um, footpath through the site. There was conflicting information. On the one hand, I thought that there wasn't a footpath through this um, site, but then I heard uh, from, um, I think it was uh, Councillor Haynes, that, uh, that there was. What, so what's the, the story there? Right. The, uh, the, the footpath I feel he was referring to is this footpath here. Right. But that's not a public right of way. The public. What this one here? Yeah. Well, that that will remain. Oh, okay. That that footpath will remain. Okay. There's there's no changes to the footpaths, public foot right Thank of ways. Thank you. Sorry, I thought maybe you were talking for, about the, the not public here. one. Okay. Thank thank you. That that's clear. Um, okay. Then my observations. I, I listened very carefully to what uh, Councillors Taylor. Brazier and uh, Haynes said and, 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 and Mr. McPherson and I thought they've made very compelling uh, arguments uh, against and uh, I've also walked the um, Turpin Way so I like those walks and I know them and uh, but part of me says that I, I share uh, Councillor Caton's view that that's a a short part of the uh, 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 of, of that, uh, that walk and that those views um, yeah, will be spoiled to an extent. However, the first proper solar farm on land I saw was actually when I was walking the Turpin Way, and that was seeing the, uh, the, um, uh, the existing uh, adjacent farm. And when I saw that, I actually celebrated. And I went home and I got very excited about solar farms. And uh, so independently, I support a bit what Councillor Caton said, that um, uh, these things can uh, work in multiple ways in a, in a, in a society. And, uh, uh, and then I sort of get to look onto the, uh, if those are the harms, and I absolutely recognize the harms, um, but then to look at the, the, the benefits. And I've done you know, one or two calculations, and I've spoken in this uh, room before, on our climate and CO2 emergency uh, declaration, we've got to do something. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have done it. And uh, when I last spoke, I think one of the data points I brought out was that um, uh, our average CO2 emissions per person in, from 2005 down to 2017 went from 9.5 tonnes per annum of CO2 per person down to 6.1. So there's been a reduction. Now, uh, a good part of that reduction was caused by our electricity use, uh, uh, where we've gone down from a total of 125 tonnes per annum of, um, uh, uh, of, um, per year down of CO2 produced by, uh, for the electricity part down to 57. That was a 54% reduction uh, in our electricity use in the district. 
Unfortunately, that's offset by transport and other things which are going up. Yeah? Now, the point about this proposal uh, is that the calculation that I did with it is that uh, uh, the, the current proposal that we're discussing now should produce about the third of the domestic energy uh, for the district. So together with the adjacent one, that's actually giving half the domestic energy requirement for this district in a sustainable way, getting rid of the CO2 required uh, for electricity for the district, going towards our uh, uh, climate change reduction. So that site, in that context, yes, it has real big downsides, but it does have actually an enormous impact on our journey towards uh, going net zero by uh, 2030 or uh, what our target is. So on that basis, I must say I have to uh, put my vote and I will be um, uh, going to support this proposal as a very significant part of our journey towards uh, 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 net carbon zero. Thank you, Councillor Reeve. Councillor Lachlan. And then Councillor General. Thank you. Well, I, that was really well put. <laughs> um, yeah, I did notice that in the representations that somebody has said it will not benefit Thaxted but go to the national grid. But uh, Thaxted gets its electricity from the national grid, and that may well have come from a solar farm somewhere else. I suspect that wherever we put this, it will upset somebody who lives nearby um, by the very nature of where we live. We live in a rural area. Uh, I actually think it's a very good idea. We, have, we need to step up to the plate. We've declared from this council uh, a climate emergency. We have children who are suffering ill health because of asthma and things, and it's, it's on the increase. Uh, and all the illnesses that, that go with uh, fossil fuel emissions and carbon emissions, etc., um, and I do recognise how important Thaxted's view is. I know that. Um, but I, as I said, I think that all of our views are nice. Um, I happen to represent Stork Valley, and the, the views over Stork Valley are stunning. Uh, and I'm sure if somebody wanted to put a solar farm uh, there, people will be coming along and complaining about that. So uh, I actually will be voting for this simply because... Although it may not benefit Faxted directly, it benefits the nation. And I am representing the whole of Uppersford, and that's what I intend to do. So I will be voting for this. Thank you very much, Councillor Lock and Councillor Judges. May I just say something? Thank you. Um, as you know, I'm Felsted and Stebbing. Stebbing has a solar farm. In fact, it's actually in Dunmo, but it affected... Stebbing was consulted because it actually affected Stebbing, um, and you'll remember this, um, it affected Stebbing far more, and lots of people in Stebbing were concerned because, and it was because it was higher, because it rose away from Stebbing. Um, there was a public, there was at least one public footpath, um, and there was lots of concerns. Since it has been, um, it's been going four, five years, something like that now. Um, maybe even more. Um, I have not heard of anybody saying anything, and it was it, it was reckoned you could see it from the high street in Stebbing. Um, I haven't heard anybody saying anything about it since then. It has become part of the landscape. 
And that, I mean, that's always seen because it's, because it's the one in my um, ward. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm really struggling with this one, as members probably would appreciate. Um, and I am sympathetic to the um, parish council and local residents. Um, clearly, we have to weigh up the benefits versus the, um, the adverse impacts. Now, I've got a couple of questions, if I can, just clarify. The environmental impact assessment, we, 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 I read in the report that it was decided that it says, given the location of the proposals and taking into consideration the potential of cumulative impact arising, it was considered that the proposals would not give rise to significant adverse effects, and therefore the EIA was not required. Um, <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of wish there was an EIA that I could refer to and be able to weigh this up a bit better. Can just Because there clearly are some adverse effects... And can I just clarify why we don't have an EIA and if it would be possible to get an EIA, it might help us. Because there is a balancing act here with the environment versus, obviously, renewable energy, which I'm a great fan of. But I want to get the balance right on the EIA, please. Believe me, the actual level where an environmental impact assessment is required is extremely high. Is extremely high. And it goes beyond... This is relative... I'm not... And this is for the benefit of the people behind there, it's not dissing this as a scheme, but it is very, very small fry in terms of requiring an environmental impact assessment. It has to have significant impact. It's very seriously impact. And we're talking nuclear power station type situations or significant amount of houses in a very vulnerable situation. In a, I mean, this is a beautiful valley. There's no doubt about it. And it's an important landscape setting. But we've got to be talking something either very, very much more substantial as a proposal or something in a much more AOMB designated area, edge of national park, that type of situation, or a combination of the two. And so therefore, the, 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 that's... So it's not, but it's very difficult when you have a... But in a what's called a screening, a screening opinion in terms of checking whether or not it needs an environmental impact. And the answer comes up, is a lot of work in terms of it, um, but it comes up and saying, no, nah, we don't need one. And, it, and you get a letter which says we don't need one, and it looks like we're quite, quite dismissive, but the level is very, very high to require an environmental impact assessment. Thank Sorry, you, Mr. please Brown. do, Councillor Gerrard. Um, yeah, I mean, look, again, we look at, you know, this is in the countryside, it is S7. I've just obviously... In Newport, we've just won two appeals on S7, but those were for houses, and those, obviously, houses are much more permanent. This is less permanent, although 40 years is still quite a long time. Um, do the harms outweigh the benefits? It depends what hat you're wearing, I suppose, but we're a planning committee. We have to be impartial. I, I am torn here. I, I feel that our commitment, recent commitment to, um, obviously, to the... Uh, our climate declaration um, is important. I appreciate that our, also we do have a commitment also to protecting the environment um, and, and those things. The thing with this application is that I don't think there's anything here that takes away completely the benefits to walkers, etc. It might diminish the enjoyment slightly, but that one could argue that there's mitigation by other types of enjoyment. It might take away partial views of the 
church from certain angles, but then there's other, you know, it's not taken away completely. It's a shame that we can't have more mitigation with trees. It's a shame that we can't have, a, have extra woodland. If there was any way in which we could add that in, if the applicant would agree, that would probably turn it for me. I don't know if we're able to ask the applicant if he would reconsider that. Sorry, I'm happy to, if the applicant can make a comment. Um, would you like to come? Would you like sorry, to come there? Sorry. No. No, that's the agent. That's the, that's the applicant. That's the agent. Agent. Right. Okay. Yes, please do, Council Lockwell, while we're waiting. Uh, thank you. Well, I don't know if this is going to be uh, proposed for uh, approval or not, but... Uh, I did notice that when we were on the coach looking at the trees on the other side, they were mostly dead. So mm. I would like to ask mm -hmm. yes. that if, we, if these trees are planted, that they are maintained. Because, uh, I mean, I did make a particular point on the bus, and I wouldn't like to see that happen on this site. So that's what I would like to ask, please. Just to add, that was on the, other, that was on the solar farm, yes. which yes. this current applicant's come forward, sorry. Please, would you like to come and sit? Um, I've got some other speakers as well, but I'll come back to you, Councillor Pavitt. Sorry, would would you like to, um, if you press the, you press like, the yeah. press the button to speak? Do you want to ask the question? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, it was mentioned earlier that um, no, you, as you were, th there there was a request for some extra woodland. There's a woodland square there, and there's a request to plant an extension to that woodland in that square in a rectangle there. And apparently, uh, you said that you could not do it because you didn't own the land and you weren't prepared to purchase the land, I believe. But I would like to ask you, as the applicant, whether you'd be prepared to reconsider uh, and planting more woodland in that space. Uh, certainly for me, that would be important if you could. Um, thank you, uh, Councillor Gerard. Uh, just as a very quick introduction, my name is Mike. Um, I am a rep or work for the applicant. Um, so I wasn't certainly wasn't expecting to be uh, talking in front of the planning committee. So please excuse my attire. Um, to, to answer your question, I will try and answer your question as directly as I can, but it do, it's not a simple yes-no answer, unfortunately. Um, first of all, the, the land that we have uh, anticipated to uh, deploy the solar panels here is leased from the landowner. So I cannot give you a, a, an answer today because, unfortunately, it's not my decision to make. Um, the... the the considerations that we have looked at when the request was made was also around, um, uh, you know, we, I picked up aspects around uh, decommissioning around, or, or of the solar farm in particular, but, but also put it, bringing the land back into what it was. We, we can lease the land where the solar panels are because it will go back to, to how it is. Um, planting a, a comprehensive uh, uh, plot of trees is not going to be put back to how it was. Therefore, the land must be purchased. Um, we, have, uh, we have developed a number of solar farms across the country, and I am, I am yet to come across a landowner who wishes to sell their land. They wish to lease their land. So while I, can't, so I, I cannot give you a specific answer uh, to that question because it is not my, uh, not my um, 
not my uh, at my discretion, um, and I suspect that might be a difficult conversation with the landowner. The landowner has owned the land for a large period of time, and they certainly wish to continue owning the land. So, I hope that gives uh, enough clarity. I apologise that it's. Thank you. Thank you very Chair, much. Well, while this gentleman's here, could I take the opportunity of asking a supplementary question, please? Very quickly. <laughs> Um, as I understand it, this is going to be fenced all the way round. Um, and as such, you're, you can preclude certain predators from going on to that site, such as foxes and so forth. If, if, if that's the case, um, do you have any programmes of putting in um, species there that are threatened, such as slow worms? Um. Uh, I do apologise. Um, this is off, ter- uh, off territory that I would be prepared to, to, to comment. Um, uh, uh, I, will, I will just have a look at my colleague who will have a much better chance of the details of that. Um, is, this, is this something you're prepared to respond to, uh, Mr Chair? We need to do this rather quickly. Yeah, yeah apologies. Um, look, the way we approach this is that we have a comprehensive um, landscape and biodiversity management plan. Um, each area is different, and we recognise that when we have a, a plan such as such as this, um, it really depends on the species, the soil characteristics, and that sort of thing as well. But just to, typically, the types of things we have done and we've we've offered again here are some of them you can see on there actually small mammal gates within the fence line um we will have a number of bird and bat boxes around the site um things like high binoculars so essentially piles of woodland debris but just allowed to pile up within the site all of those things sowing the sowing um, a wildflower meadow grassland all of those sorts of things actually help to deliver biodiversity benefits and i think it really comes back to the point i was making earlier i think from a from a pure biodiversity point of view solar is very very good because it is removing monoculture which is treated heavily with uh, fertilizers and pesticides um, and it's one crop Whereas we can provide very, very biodiverse grass swords through planting uh, native species grasslands. Um, so, and that in itself helps to encourage a, a whole variety of invertebrates and, and fauna as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah okay. Well, th- thank you very much. Um, on, on balance, I have to say that um, I think that probably. This is something that we should be doing. Um, again, I feel quite torn because it is environmentally sensitive, but I'd like to propose that we go to the vote to... Uh, I propose that we do accept this. Again, I reiterate, I, I do think it's a tough decision, but I think, on balance, it falls on the acceptance side rather than the, the rejection side. Councillor... Yes. Yes. Yes, you can. But I'm going to take a couple of because Would you still like to speak, Councillor Sutton? Because you did have, you did have your hand up to speak. So before you, before you second, okay, Councillor Sutton, would you like to just say what you wanted? to Hello. say? Hello. I just really, very quickly wanted to say um, where I live, which is in Linsall, We also have one of these farms down the bottom of the road, down in our sort of you know, nearby where I am, and it's obviously probably Bardfield, and when that first came, we were really upset 
about it really but now you know there's got sheep in and one thing and another and we do walk around there and it does like you say become part of the landscape so I'm really sorry if, if you know if it causes problems with you know other places like for instance Thaxted but um, I don't suppose there's any way that these companies could work with the local community to keep them updated to help perhaps give information to the schools and just become part of the community or is that just too mad? Well, it's not mad at all. I think the I think the problem we always sorry I jumped in there. The problem quite often you have with the renewable energy is that they it's it is infrastructure. So therefore, unfortunately, there are all issues about could they do this and could they do not. But then that is once a planning permission is established, you then have a relationship with this this particular operator within the site. So quite often it then becomes, you know, the talks about education is, education is the obvious one. It starts becoming linked to the school as a way forward, linked to the ramblers. So I think it naturally happens as, as a way forward. And this is bigger than one of the, some of the other ones you've got. And so therefore, by nature of that, I think you'll have a lot more community engagement moving forward. Councillor McPherson, you have, and just come, to, if you just want to come here, you must come to the front, but just very quickly. It's a, it's a point. Thank you, Chair. The point is, we have evidence, and you, you will say it wasn't, isn't written professional evidence, we have evidence from the previous site. That site changed hands three times from planning application to construction. With great respect to the gentleman who have sat here and spoke about wildflower matters and stuff like that. I know from a farming background, they need care, they need tending. It won't happen. The previous site that you would have seen this morning, it's a mess. There isn't a wildflower meadow there. Uh, the screening hasn't worked. That's fine now. That's, thank you. It, thank it you. doesn't happen. Thank Sorry. you. Right. Councillor Bagnall, I think we're just going to go for a second now. Yeah, just before you do go to the vote, I, th I think as long as we go into this with our eyes open... I think uh, I didn't see the adjacent site, but what I'm hearing sort of confirms my view that once it's done, they're gone. So any tending that needs to be done probably won't be done. So as long as you go into it with an open mind, um, I, think, I think you're doing substantial harm to the wildlife. So I do accept that we've got to do this, but I do support Councillor Taylor's view that, um, yes, we need to do... This is another classic example of it's the right thing in the wrong place. So, uh, for me, I can't support it because it's, uh, it's the, the harm it can do. So there must be other places we can find that don't have that sort of level of harm. I think we need to call this to a, a close because we could, uh, we could discuss this for a, a long time. Councillor... My, my point was the, the wrong thing in the wrong place. One of the things which we haven't concentrated on is the fact that the, uh, if I understand well, the substation and the pylons and things, they are in place, so you're adding to an existing infrastructure <laughs> which you wouldn't necessarily have somewhere else. So I think, actually, it could be the right thing in the right place. Yeah, quite often, yeah so quite often you do have... Councillor, yeah, so. right, Councillor Pavitt, you've got literally this. Right, just a quick... For Mr. Brown, can we place a condition that certain standards are maintained in terms of the upkeep of the site? There are conditions on the site regarding the landscape and grassland maintenance. Now, okay, that was specifically aimed at trying to avoid... Condition 14 has been taken away, and it's been... Was it Condition 6, hasn't it? Is it Condition 6? Yeah, because the Condition 14 
to be blunt, is quite ridiculous. It, it literally means my enforcement team needs to be spending their life counting sheep. And so condition six has been boosted to include a landscape management plan and grassland plan. Um, there's also, I think there's also a biodiversity mitigation plans. But that, the management and landscape and grassland will also include biodiversity. And if you want to say, including biodiversity issues, you know, and when, again, we can't be prescriptive, but those by, so it will be landscape, grasslands, and any other um, biodiversity issues, which could be, yeah, so, which, yeah, we can do that, which, which marries into condition eight, I'm told now, yeah, looking, yeah, so it's marrying up with condition eight, but we can marry the two, and while I'm on, I don't want to add extra, you, but talking to the proposer, it has been mooted, this issue about the 106 decommissioning, are you including that as part yeah. Yeah. Just we're going to no, sorry, we can't because look, it's ten past six. We've got two more to go. I just sorry. want a second. I want a no, second. That's what, sorry, I mean, that's what Councillor um, Lemon's been waiting for oh, to, to do. Sorry. Yes. Uh, thank you, Chair. Just to say, just to say that. Um, I found this quite difficult and to all the arguments and I've, I've come to the conclusion that the benefits do outweigh the harm and so I'd like to second this motion. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Lemon. Sorry, Councillor Lecount, but he had, I'd actually stopped him um, coming in to let some people, other people speak. So, um, Councillor Gerard, it was you, wasn't it? Yes, Councillor Gerard, proposed by Councillor Gerard, seconded by Councillor um, Lemon, that we um, um, accept this proposal. All those in favour? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All those against? That's one. Oh, you're a two. Ten in favour, two against. So that's been approved. Uh, Madam Chair, again, for the benefit of the audio record, Councillor Lemon has left the room in accordance with his declaration earlier. Thank you very much. UTT 19.2159, full application, Gladwins Farm, Shearing Road, Hatfield Heath. Thank you, Thank you very much, Mr Doe. Thank you, Chair. Here is the site. Um, it's to the, uh, the northwest of the site there. I'll, I'll describe it in more detail later on. 
Here's the broad setting, Hatfield Heath to the northeast and shearing down to the southwest. Uh, the site is off the road, as it were. Here's an aerial photograph, and I think what this gets across is that it's a well-treed <coughs> site at the front, such that uh, it's a tucked-away site, a backland site. It's, it's hidden from public vantage points. And this is the site itself. Uh, there's, you'll see it's a retrospective application, but there is an existing planning permission for use of this building. It's actually two buildings. I have photographs. So it's the use of this built form for, um, for coach repairs. They need a paint store, which is this very small element, and they need office buildings because of the paint spraying they can't have the office inside and it enlarges the site in that it includes the car parking area in front although I'd, I'd go so far as to suggest that that really makes um, more of a real world setup. Um, I'll, I'll show you the photographs here's the start of it uh, there's a Dutch barn and then an extension this is the paint store I referred to, set in front. This is the view of the rear of the, uh, the buildings. Um, paint spraying goes on inside uh, uh, an enclosed area. View of the front again. This shows the porter cabin over to the left-hand side there. A closer view of the porter cabin. Side view of it. You'll see there's parking in front. I think the important thing about this is that it enlarges the site, although in a funny way that's a good thing because conditions can be imposed on the site. Conditions bite inside the red line. There, there has, it, it's clear, there has been problems in the past. Um, on the other hand, uh, there's been letters of objection which have been very strong. There's, there's, you'll see from the agenda there's been a lot of letters of support. Uh, in total, this, this enterprise employs nine people. In terms of the appearance, it, it does seem that there's been problems with... Um, um, driving to residential properties going up this driveway which runs parallel to the um, vehicular access and seeing for example a double decker bus parked in this area but in terms of the dwellings themselves they are a significant distance from the, the site the red line site and um, in essence, that is why officers are recommending approval, subject to conditions. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Mr. Doe. Um, we have um, three speakers, and the first one is Mr. Amico. You have four minutes, Mr. Amico.
The additional structures proposed on the site introduced built development here, which is not currently present in the Greenbelt. This has an impact on openness, and such development is inappropriate in this Greenbelt location. The proposed additional structures do not fall within any of the exemptions of the MPPF, and the applicant has not demonstrated any very special circumstances. The proposal is therefore not in accordance with the MPPF, and the applicant indeed makes this very admission in their statement. The activity on site results in business not operating solely from the agricultural barn. Such activity further results in an impact on the openness of the Greenbelt. The previous 2010 permission was granted on the basis of minimal activity outside of the buildings. This is clearly no longer the case. The previous permission granted is on the basis of two vehicles being repaired each week. This is clearly no longer the case. The operation is no longer consistent in size and environmental impact in this rural location. It is no longer small scale as per the previous 2010 permission. It is not the case that the operations, i.e. the vehicles, the porter cabins, the storage containers, are not visible from the main road as they clearly are. The creation of a wall of straw put in place by the applicant to screen this is not acceptable. The applicant is clearly seeking to play down the activity on-site operations um, and on-site these are now on a much larger scale which has amounted essentially to a material change of use on the site. By virtue of the activity not taking place within the units, the number of buses and other vehicles outside of the unit, the introduction of two additional structures and the widening of the site to enlarge it, further encroaching into the green belt, means that the five purposes of, of preventing urban sprawl and keeping land permanently open are clearly not being adhered to. Policy Gen 2 and design. In terms of design, it is clear that the proposed development and activity would not assimilate into the existing surroundings. This is a green belt and open countryside, and the proposed development and activity has an adverse impact on the surrounding area and views across the site. Furthermore, the proposal materially affects the occupation and enjoyment of the surrounding properties. This is by virtue of their impact on their views across the site and the noise, smell and dust that emanate from the site. Whilst it has been uh, maintained that it's quite a distance, when you're actually on the site, the uh, residents that live nearby effectively appear, the, the buses and, and other items appear effectively on top of their uh, front gardens. Policy Gen 1, road safety. The road directly outside the site is a 60 mile per hour road, which is of concern when the coaches are entering the, and, and exiting the site. The access arrangements are not adequate. This often results in the entrance to Oak Tree Barn and Gladwin's farmhouse being blocked. The vehicle movements to and from the site have also increased since the previous permission, and this has not been assessed properly. It is clear that beyond the red, um, it is clear that within the red line plan and beyond it, activities are taking place outside of any planning permission which are inappropriate in the Greenbelt and need to be dealt with by the Council before approving any further permissions today. These are all important matters that need to be resolved and addressed ahead of any planning permission being issued so that activity on site can be clearly monitored and any breaches can be clearly identified. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Mr Amical. Our next speaker is... Mr. Baker. Thank you very much, Mr. Baker. It's the, it, the button's in the middle. 
That's it. We're live. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm David Baker from DNS Commercials. We operate the coach repair business. Uh, we started trading at Gladwin's Farm 15 years ago. This was an ideal location for me and the building, ideal for the type of work we'd be doing. Uh, we look for people locally to come and work for us, offering full, full in-house training. I'm very proud to have given a number of young youngsters a great start in life, giving them a skill that will always provide them with an income and support their families. Unlike lots of work, um, sorry, yeah, unlike lots of work these days, to carry out repairs on old and new coaches and commercial vehicles, you need to learn a number of skills. For example, woodwork, welding and fabrication, panel beating, preparation, paint, paint spraying with modern eco-water-based paint systems. This in mind, we have looked after our staff as it impossible to, adequate, uh, to find adequate skilled people other than in the north of the country where most of the coach repair companies are located. <clears throat> our staff are all skilled to this level. All live locally, all rely on us as a company to support their families. We, just have, uh, we have just taken a new trainee on as annual preparation for future requirements and given another local lad a chance of a great future. We have had consent to occupy the building and part of the yard and are only looking to extend the yard area to accommodate the office and paint store, both of which are non-permanent structures. It was very unfortunate that, more recently, the old barns were developed into living accommodation. When this happened, we heard many rumours that we would do, uh, they would do everything possible to get us out of there. We have had the greatest respect for our immediate neighbours and all the surrounding areas. I'm always available to talk to anybody if there's a problem that we create, but unfortunately, we have had many different authorities sent into us to try to cause the utmost of problems for, to us. For example, health and safety, false accusations to environmental agencies, fire officers and planning department, all on a regular occasions. But of their and because of the health and safety visit, we have had to, move, had to move the office and paint mixing room paint mixing room outside, which has been the main cause of the planning problem. This has been a very stressful, this has been very stressful and I've felt harassed from it all. Lots of local businesses, shops, post offices, pubs and many more organisations rely on us as part of their customer base. We always employ and train local people, give youngsters a hope for the future in an ever-changing world where lots of youngsters just end up working in IT. Um, when someone has learned all the skills and has, carried out, uh, and has carried out on their first full repair is a moment they remember for the rest of their lives using skills and self-confidence in achievement of repairing a vehicle that was in bits. <laughs> and that concludes it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr Baker. Thank you very much. And we have... Um, Mr. Salmon, the agent. Thank you. Good evening. We've had the uh, application for the solar farm and the nine house scheme 
and the uh, major council depot, and now we've got one for the porter cabin and uh, a paint shed. But uh, anyway, the application is partly retrospective, however it's important to note that the existing use of half of this building does have planning permission for its current use. Therefore, this use can take place at the site without any further planning permission. The building has uh, permission for two separate businesses at the moment, and the other one is a garden maintenance business which ceased trading some time ago. The proposal applies for the use of the building to be entirely by DNS Commercials, which is a coach-lorry repair-spraying business. In addition, a uh, paint storage facility is required, measuring just 4.8 square metres, and this is now required by law for the business, as the paint cannot be stored in the main building. Additionally, the porter cabin for office use is applied, and a small area of additional hard standing is also required for parking, and this is also retrospective. No outdoor storage is proposed as part of this application. <clears throat> the proposals are subsequently small in scale, with the physical development limited to the office porter cabin and the shed um, for the paint store. The objections received generally seem to be concerning the use. However, this has had planning permission um, since 2010, albeit that only on part of the building or half of the building. <clears throat> Uh, due to the size and scale of this development proposed, there will be negligible impact upon the Greenbelt. The small infield buildings will not have any impact upon the openness of the Greenbelt, particularly when viewed in the context of the large existing former agricultural building on site. The host buildings are barely visible from any public vantage point due to their setback position and significant tree screening to both the east and southern boundaries. Neighbours will not adver be adversely affected by these minor structures. If the application is to be turned down, this would have considerably, considerable repercussions upon the employees at the site, as these buildings are now essential to the running of the business. The separate paint store, as, as mentioned previously, is now required by law. Subsequently, refusal would see the loss of employment and the end of a well-respected company. The loss of employment would be contrary to the social aspect of sustainable development. Overall, when the harm of this proposal is weighed against the benefits of the continued employment, despite any perceived impact upon the Greenbelt, we have the view that the benefits will um, outweigh any harm um, considerably. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Salmon. I'll open it up to the committee. Councillor Bagnall. Can I get clarity on the straw? What was, what was the reference to the straw bales? Is it, a, is it a screening that they put up? I would imagine that what was being referred to there was um, straw stored or forming a barrier in the area... Uh, to the northwest in map form. Okay, it's Sorry. Just, just that I have got a photograph in front of me which clearly shows a, a big barrier that's above the height of the roof, and I'm just trying to understand what the purpose is. Because if, if they're doing nothing that they shouldn't be doing, I'm trying to understand what the purpose of the straw barrier is. Madam Chairman, oh, what, the person who spoke just now is willing to clarify if you wish. We, we have not received any of this information as officers. You have received information directly, and we haven't. And so that's, that's the issue. That's why you've got blank faces here. Yeah. And it's a little bit irrelevant to the whole application anyway. <laughs>
you may be right, but it's just that whenever I see someone putting something up that looks like it's trying to hide something, I think, well, what are you trying to hide? If you've got permission for something and you're not doing anything wrong, why have I got a straw barrier? That's, I'm just trying to, and if you don't know, then fair enough. It's not coming to, I'm sorry, I can't, because if it wasn't put into the planning department, it's not something we can take into account. Councillor Gerard. Sorry, no, I can't. No, because we've got no. calls from both sides. No, so we? I can't. No. So, Councillor Gerard. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, can we see where the green belt lies in relation to this site? And this is a green belt matter. I mean, or, yes, no. indeed. Um, well, I could say that um, Hatfield Heath to the north east there is excluded. The site is within the Green Belt. Uh, second question, if I can, Chair. What is the harm to the Green Belt? I couldn't see what's, what... Because obviously you have to demonstrate harm. MPPF says you, know, you have to show that there's harm to the Green Belt, urban sprawl. Can I ask what we've spotted at all is the actual harm? Well, I would answer that by saying that technically there is a loss of openness in that structures, i.e. the porter cabin and the paint store are um, occupying space. Technically, there's a loss of openness. Openness is very important to the Green Belt. But given the secluded nature of the site, that is minimal, I would suggest. Can I, sorry, can I just clarify, because... I mean, I know the agent did a throwaway comment about what this application is about. It's about a bit of a paint. It's a paint. It's important to the developer, but it's a, port, it's a porter cabin and, a, and, an, and, and the use of a, an additional bit of a building. And so the whole site lies in the green belt. And can I, we just need to know which bit of the green belt is there additional bit of the green belt that's being taken up as a result of this development? Or is it just different uses? It's that's what I mean. But it, this hasn't... The question is, has this extended into another bit of the green belt, is the question. I know the answer to the question, I'm just answering. I don't think it is. I don't think it's, it's, it's an additional use within the land that was within the green belt. It's, it's additional use within the yards, and that's what it's about. This is existing development within the green belt, is existing, and so therefore it's existing land in the green belt that's been used for a brownfield. And there's some additional stuff that's been added to that existing use it's not like it's i don't think it's crept out and i need to make it quite clear is it being crept is it creeping out from from the site because i think that needs to be clear on that well technically it creeps out it was the red line on the right and now it's crept out minimally to include the parking area and include the porter cabin the difference is almost insignificant well, <laughs> it may, it's for you to, I mean, so, so the level of the.
Sorry, go on. Um, in, obviously, in your report, in your conclusion, you, you say that the proposal is considered acceptable due to the absence of visual impact to the general public. Well, I, I mean, we've been circulated with photographs which show in the dark or sort of like, you know, late afternoon in the winter but, or at, at night time, there is potentially all, lots of buses with, with lots of lights that could be argued visual impact. So I'm just trying to kind of weigh up whether this is... Yeah. You need to see the site, don't you? I think we do. <laughs> I mean, I, I think because we do. You're, you're having photographs being fed to you, which, you know, that is obviously... So the, the best people to see this site says that we can't do it at night and we won't do it at night. I think we see a site visit, please. So deferred. Yep. So, okay. So, um, you're leaving us. <laughs> All right, yes, okay. So, um, the proposal is to defer, proposed by Councillor LeCount, seconded by Councillor Freeman. All those in favour of deferring? Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. Yes, I think that's a, I think that's a very good idea. Just a short. I'll go and get. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Um, item 9, UTT 183524. Uh, Madam Chair, for the purposes oh, sorry, of the audio right. record, Councillor Lemon has returned to the room. And sorry, I was looking at the wrong one. It's item 8. I do apologise. So, UTT 183524, Full Frogs Hall, Bambas Green, Takeley. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. This site isn't in the green belt, but it is within the countryside protection zone. Here's the red line site. And um, this, this gives it a little more context. The A120 to the north. It's in the countryside protection zone, but it is... Uh, a hidden away site and uh, I'll show you a number of photos. This is the first one. This is the view from the south. This is a view from the north near the bridge over the A120. Here's a view from the east. Um, here's uh, another thing in the assessment of this is that existing built form would be removed from the site. There'll be a sort of before and after type slide, but this is the biggest um, building that would be demolished. There's a number of others of various states of repair. Uh, although within the country's high protection zone, the site is hidden, and although new built form would be created, built form would be demolished, the biggest of which would be this structure. In terms of the outline of the proposal, uh, where I'm moving the cursor now is the existing access to Frog's Hole, which would be maintained for, for the um, uh, renovated listed building. The main access to the new houses would come in through the north of the site but it would use an existing vehicular access which currently serves um, uh, there's writing school buildings to the north coming in this building would be demolished and um, houses set to the rear out of sight this sets out the, um, the layout uh, essentially around a informal green houses looking onto each other uh, comparing the previous slide that building would be demolished that would go and uh, a house the houses are to a contemporary design to try and look like um, agricultural buildings to look like the former farm buildings which uh, were to the rear this slide I feel sums up, uh, well the title says it, comparison of built form on the left hand side is the existing Frogs Hall this, this newer 
bit on the back would be demolished. That's essentially the subject of the listed building application. Um, these commercial buildings, it's a brownfield site. There was a, a firearms, a rather unusual use, but um, a business use to the rear of the property. So we're not talking about a greenfield site. It's a brownfield site where built form would be demolished to offset new built form, and it's a very well-screened site. Chair, I hope that uh, sets things out in summary, but I can answer detailed points. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr Doe. We have um, two speakers. Um, Councillor Hewitt from Takeley PC. You have five minutes, Councillor. I was a teacher and education advisor in my professional life, so I'm used to waiting. So. Uh, my name is Peter Hewitt. I'm um, a fairly new parish councillor at Takeley, Takeley Parish Council, so I've been asked to um, present some information to you about this particular application. Um, our main focus is actually on the countryside protection zone. We suggest that the principles of the countryside protection zone that were established in 1985 are still valid. It can be argued that they're more important now, given the possible expansion of the airport to 43, um, passengers, um, uh, 43 million passengers per annum, and eventually beyond that figure. We have to say, what's the point of the CPZ if it's going to be eroded? Also, the degrading of the principles of the CPZ. We either believe that Stansted Airport is an airport in the countryside or it's not. So the CPZ is very important to local residents. Continued erosion of the CPZ will lead to coalescence between the airport and the surrounding hamlets and villages. Yes, this is a secluded site and it does have some buildings on it already. But... Um, and there will be, I think it's six, six or more, about six um, new buildings. In this context, there is evidence to indicate that the CPZ policy is consistent with the NPPF and therefore affords the countryside a significant level of protection. There have been several appeals um, where the CPZ, as I understand it, over the last few years, has been eroded in various areas. The Luck Report, which the, was commissioned by Uttlesford District Council some years ago, I think it was 2016-15, clearly articulates the value of the CPZ. And our worry in Takeley is that further erosion irrespective of what it is, will lead to even more erosion of the CPZ. We're already waiting for the outcome of the Parsonage Road appeal. The appeal that went to, um, for the Waltham Hall was lost, and therefore National Express will be going in there. So we have to look at the cumulative effect of any erosion of the CPZ. This is fairly small, I admit, but... It's the principle of the CPZ that we're concerned about. In addition to that, um, Bamber's Green Road, as I understand it, is a protected lane. Am I correct in saying that? It's a protected lane status. 
yes, south of the Vicloraxis. Yes, yes. I did look it up on the map, and I've actually walked up that road and driven up it several times. It is a very, very narrow lane, and... Somebody also mentioned to me, and I'm not sure that this is accurate, that there is actually a weight restriction on it. But I haven't been able to find out accurate detail of that. It's not easy to find. Um, so given that, we are concerned that given its protected status, that there will be, albeit a small additional element, the construction traffic in there will have a considerable effect on that lane, and therefore we have concerns about that. The provision of six large detached homes so close to a historic hall house should be considered as perhaps overdevelopment. Um, we believe that those homes will cause a higher level of harm than articulated as being less substantial. In addition to that, there have been um, concerns about archaeological excavations and at the moment, there is no evidence about that, and we would suggest that before any decision is being made, that um, the archaeological ex excavation should be carried out before any development um, is given, any approval for that. We believe that the policies S7 and S8 should be given even more weight, since although it's a self-contained site, Overdevelopment of a, and I put that in quotes, of a more urban development in there is not appropriate to the rural area. It's also well outside the development limits for the parish, and although it's de de designated a brownfield site, is it really a brownfield site? We also need further detailed ecological analysis to assess the effect on wildlife, because there are obviously badgers and bats around there. So all of that, we believe that at this stage, the application should either be deferred or it should be refused. Thank you. Thank you very much. I did actually promise Councillor Lock because Councillor Lockman did I just want I just wanted oh, sorry, to pro have. propose sorry, a got... site visit, Madam Chairman. Right. We have another speaker, actually, though. Sorry. We did have another speaker. Sorry. We have the agent. <laughs> Terribly sorry. Miss... Williams. Okay. Mr. Williams. Okay, thank you, Chair, and good evening, councillors. Um, I've not got a Really a great deal to add to what the office has already set out and what's also um, reported in the committee report. So I will just briefly um, respond to some of the comments from the Parish Council. Um, firstly, I'll just re-emphasise this is, this is previously developed land. It has a, a, a long-standing commercial use on there. So we're not talking about a greenfield site. I would therefore disagree that there's actually gonna, it's actually going to cause erosion to the countryside. Um, there will be a small reduction in volume and there'll be larger reductions in footprint and hard standing. So I think in comparison, it actually has quite a positive impact on the countryside. Um, secondly, in respect to traffic, I think, again, this must be considered in the context of the existing commercial use. Um, we have buildings with about 700 square metres footprint on the site at the moment. 
So it could potentially generate quite significant traffic to the, to the local highway network. Um, I think in, in this comparison, six houses wouldn't fare too badly. Um, the speaker mentioned the listed building. I think the diagram that he demonstrated would have quite a positive impact on the listed building. We're removing a very large um, and fairly, fairly moderately designed rear extension. Um, we're also removing the largest building on the site. So it actually does open up the listed building and provides a lot more green space around it. Um, finally, there has been comprehensive wildlife assessments done on the site. Um, your wildlife um, cons consultants did request further surveys which were provided and they've removed all their objections to the site. Um, that's what I really ought to say. Thank you. Oh, sorry, it wasn't on. Thank you very much, Mr Williams. Councillor Lachlan, you wanted to speak first. Thank you. Um, well, I, I've noticed recently we've had quite a lot of development in the countryside protection zone. Um, and it is one of our, I always say this, one of our strongest policies. It was, it was felt that it should be retained, so it's in the draft 19 regulation plan. It's also in the old local plan, which we are now continuing to use. Um, and, you know, once we start eroding these uh, policies, especially the one with the airport, because that was put in place to stop us coalescing with the airport or to stop it coalescing with us, actually, is more, more correct. And the parish council, quite rightly, uh, at Takeley, because they're very close to the airport, are upset that their countryside is being eroded. And I actually have the countryside protection policy here, S8, which says the areas and boundaries of the countryside protection zone around Stansted Airport are defined on the proposal's map, which you see in the local plan. And it says, in the countryside protection zone, planning permission will only be granted for development that is required to be there or is appropriate to a rural area. There will be strict control on new development. Well, that's not happening. We're not having strict control on new development in the countryside protection zone. And I, and I actually uh, regret that very much. And I, and I think most um, parishes are in and around the airport will regret that too. It's okay uh, for us to say, oh, yeah, it's only a few houses. Uh, it's also, uh, as it said, in a protected lane uh, within a, a couple of kilometres of a, a site of special scientific interest. Uh, there's a TPOs on the site. Um, and, well, I, given my way, I would like to propose a refusal, but uh, I know we're going to have to have all the talk in between now. So, so I'm No, we don't, because that was different. Because you oh, just I'm went, you went through what was wrong God, with it. No and wonder then I'm going around the bend. Like last right. <laughs> well, in that case, policy S8, S7, and I would like, if members uh, are minded to approve this before they do so I'd like them to go and see this site uh, and the countryside protection zone and, and I'd like to have the uh, parish council be able to come back next time and say see I told you so so that's, that's my take on that uh, I would, I, well I will propose a refusal because it's in the countryside protection zone I'm happy to second that oh. 
Oh, never mind. He just jumped in there, didn't he? He just jumped in there, Councillor Sutton. Sometimes one has to, Madam Chairman. Yes, sometimes one has to, yes. Yes. Right, thank you. So, well, we've... You can have... Um, I can give you... If, I, if we open Me- up members a discussion do, now. Members do need to be mindful. This is previously developed land. And Janice is right, Councillor Lachlan is right, S8 is, is an important policy, countryside protection zone, but you need to demonstrate there's been some harm as a result of that. Now, whether you need to go there to see that is another question, as, Janice, as Councillor Lachlan has alluded to there. But SP7, it is one of those policies that is in that area, and there has to be a good reason why you should have development in there. Previous development land is one of those reasons. So, therefore, that's what members just have to have in their mind. Sorry, they are um, industrial buildings, if you like. We're talking a development here at the bottom of a protected lane, uh, and talking uh, and the traffic that will be going to and from when that development actually exists, and the development that well, I mean, obviously construction they have to be built. That's something that you have to put up with. But I, I think the amount of vehicles that will be going up and down there will be reprehensible, and it will change it. I'm going to ask, do the, the councillors who want, wish, wanted to speak, do they want to ask for clarification of anything so that they would feel they could have a better idea of whether how to vote on this? Yes? Councillor Gerard. Clarification, please. Um, this is a full application, and we have no detail of any elevation or plan of the buildings. Well, that's... Uh, um Sorry, that that was uh, the way I presented the application. There's six dwellings, so to present six uh, times four elevations, I thought would... uh, Be nice to have one. Sorry, I must say that's a fair point from members, to be honest. Um, You know, we're not asking you to look at every four or 24 elevations of four houses, but... Councillor Reeve, try again. Thank you. The, in addition to that, it was, it was the, um, uh, the listed building, because part of that is being demolished. Uh, normally, uh, some details of that are, are, are shown, and they, they, they weren't That's here. the next application, Councillor Reeve, to be oh, honest. There is, there is a parallel application. Should we go and see this site before we make a decision? I, I actually, to be honest with you, I, I really am concerned about that you haven't got the details in front of you to make this decision, and apologies for that. And, uh, and then, but, you know, because you don't know what the... There is the principal issue about the, the, the S8 and the CPZ, but how can members assess the impact they're going to have without seeing the dwellings? Well, so, with respect, we should have had a better report. Well, no... No, Janice, we're not going to have an argument about this, but I'm advising members that I do not think you can make a decision in front of you. That's a fact. So, therefore, members need to make a decision. Now, Counts- right. I Counts- think the solution is to move things on, not to have an argument about what the situation is. And I, and- Councillor, you've not got your, you've not got your mic on. 
You're not on. No, you're not. You did that on purpose, right? Okay. Um, I'm. I would. Can I? Sorry, Councillor Count. If Mr. Councillor Parfit says for a site visit, I second it. Because I'd like to see. All right. I'd like to see I have to ask. Because then we'll have more information right, right, okay. as well. Thank you, Councillor Count. I need to ask you, Councillor Lachlan, are you prepared to withdraw your proposal for, for, the, for refusal at this moment in time so that we can have a proposal to defer so we, we can gain more information and gain more knowledge to bring this back to committee? Well, I'll ask the seconder if he's happy with that as well. I don't wish wrong things, but it does seem to me that this thing is so flawed that we cannot honestly grant it. We need much better, much more information. I'm happy to do a site visit, but I note that the data, sorry, the very final one on here, um, was for some reason extended to um, uh, this month from this month of last year. So we're running out of time on the um, demolition at Frogs Hall. It says expiry date 27th of February, okay, um, uh, 2019, extension of time to the 17th of January. Today is the whatever, 14th, 15th? Yeah. Uh, until the 17th of January 2020. So item 9 on our agenda times out uh, by, at the end of this week. And that is part of this application, as far as I can tell. They both, they both, when you say timed out, the, the, the applicant has the right to appeal against non-determination if we don't make a decision. But I prefer us not to make a decision to make a flawed decision. And, and with that, I'm apologising to the applicant's agent behind us because of, on that base, on that issue, because of what's been Well, in that case, as the proposer for refusal, can we not refuse it? And the applicant comes back with a different or another application. And then we won't be out of time and we'll have a different report. I'm not actually not concerned about being out of time. I'm, out of con I'm, out, I'm concerned about making the right decision. And I, and I do not think members have the right information in front of them to make that decision. And that's our fault. And apologies. <sighs> Meanwhile, the clock's ticking, Councillor Lock. Well, the way, I mean, when I'm not clock-watching, I want to get it right. And, I, and, I, and that's why I think then we should refuse this, as we were going to do initially, and then the applicant comes back with another application. That won't be out of time, and hopefully we'll have a more comprehensive report. And if then we feel the same, we can do a site visit. Can I just add to this that this impacts on the setting of a listed building? There's been no discussion yet about whether this impacts on the setting of a listed building. You do not have the information in front of you right now to be able to make that determination. If you refuse this application purely on S7 and S8, and then they come in with another application, and then you decide that actually it impacts on the setting of a listed building, you will not have that opportunity to have that reason for refusal in the future. So it is better to make the right decision now than wait until in the future. Well, I disagree. What application are we talking about? This one, um, which is... I haven't got my glasses on now. Um, I think, actually, I think we don't... Let's not the get into the... first one, or the second one. The Councilor, second one is different Councilor to this Lachlan, one. I think we need to pull this to close, and I actually think that we don't have... I, I can see where you were coming from with your argument for, 
for refusal. However, I feel that the questions that members have made, I don't, it, it comes across as we don't have enough information at the moment. So I feel we should go for a deferral. So I'm, I am putting forward that um, proposal to defer. Councillor Stora to second. Second that, Chairman. Thank you very much. So it's, it's a deferral for a site visit site, and, sorry, yes, and site. for detailed plans. A site visit and, and for us to get our act together, to be yes. frank. Yes. That's a different way of saying what I said about the report. Right. Yes. So, so can we vote on deferring for a site visit and a more detailed report? All those in favour of that. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In favour of deferral. All those against? One, two, three, four. Thank you. And sorry, we've got one more, and I'm jumping in. Um, on UTT 183525LB, the recommendation now is to defer that as well. And so, so obviously you still have to vote that through. Hang on. Proposed by Councillor um, Gerard, seconded by Councillor Pavitt to um, defer UTT 183525 listed building um, Frogs Hall to... Um, or to defer that to another planning meeting. Um, all those in favour? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All those against? Councillor Lock, Councillor Lecount. Councillor Lecount, please, uh, until we're finished, I'd be grateful if you could stay put. Start. One, two, three, four. For or against, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. Because we all end up shouting at each other. At some, I'm not going to put the microphone. We all end up.